Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Tracks Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. This is big week 61 of this dumb project. And I want to dedicate it to someone very close to me. Uh, okay. And her name is America. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is our Independence Day week podcast. This is a very patriotic episode of Brother Date, the Star Tracks Edition. I'm Matthew. But, you know, yesterday was Canada Day. It's hard to say the first part without saying the I'm Matthew part. Yes. (laughs) I don't care about Canada Day. Well. Why should I care? uh, Because Riker Riker was Canadian, according to Lavelle? Canada's only doing a little. (laughs) Hold on. Is that his name? Lavelle? Was that his name? (laughs) You remember that guy's name? I think that's his name, right? The uh, bartender's Canadian, sir. Canadian. The the bartender's name is Ben, right? Do we ever get a last name for that guy? Uh, Uncle. It's not Uncle Ben. Well, I just figured that's what they were going for. Don't put that on me. Uh, I will. No, I must have it because I must have named a ship after him in, in STO. <laughs> Canadian, sir. Canadian. I definitely named one after Cito Jaxa, so we'll see. <laughs> oh, but she's in two episodes. That's true, yeah, because she's in the first duty. Mm. Uh, okay, you guys know the rules. I'm not even going to try to recap it. It's dumb, too. We're going to compare all these episodes, week 61 of each of these fucking series. Uh, I want to thank Ben for continuing to play, even though he definitely should not. He's got a family and stuff. It makes him a bad person, I think, but I appreciate that he's stuck with it. He works for himself. Like, he is stealing money from himself (laughs) with every minute of Star Trek watching. That's how I feel when I do this. Well, (laughs) I feel like I'm stealing time and money from myself. I guess that's sort of true <laughs> uh all right well what, what what should we get into first i believe it's enterprise right yeah yeah uh fifth place last week was enterprise this week we watched similitude uh, 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 two trips <laughs> two many trips Too many trips, right? That's this one. Well, you're, you're first of all, you're giving away the teaser. <laughs> Archer is presiding over a funeral in the torpedo bay, I guess. Mm. And the body in the coffin is Trip. Oh no, Charles is dead. <laughs> Two weeks earlier. Great is what it says on the screen. That's always good. Um, I mean, it's not all back and forth this time. We just do the one time jump, right? So at least there's that. Uh, Trip is giving T-Pole a foot rub during pajama time. Uh, Are there automatic... I'm just going to jump ahead. Are there automatic point deductions for foot rubbing? uh, Or does that just go into the general execution? I did not give any automatic deductions for this one. I don't know if you feel this way, Matt, but Mm. uh, 
he was like working the area around her ankle and heel. And for some reason, that's better than when they're up near the toes for me. Like I don't know pa- why that is. Pakumchi. That's how you say heel. <clears throat> In Korea. Okay. Uh, unless it's elbow. I know you. Yeah, yeah I, I could also have just said elbow. It's possible. <laughs> I don't know the difference between the sounds. I could be saying either one. Sorry. Uh, so I don't know if that makes it any better for you, but I only hated it intensely. <laughs> I didn't vomit in my mouth a little. It was bad. Anyway, they're discussing uh, a method for traveling faster in the expanse. He wants to compress the warp plasma or something. Uh, and also, he's finally starting to get into this thing. Like, whatever weird reservations he had about it, he seems to have left behind. That's he's too bad. Kind of enjoying it when she's dangling her boobs over him. All that stuff. Although those things don't dangle. They're so aggressive. They don't do well, anything in a lazy pos- way. She has positioned them over him then. Yeah. They're pointing angrily down at him. Yeah. Um. So, uh, smash cut to engineering, and they're going to do this test. So they, they go up to warp 4.9, they compress the plasma stream. Everything looks good for a little bit, but then the ship starts rocking. Uh, Travis loses control of the helm. Uh, the engine starts to, like, flash over, and a big explosion knocks Trip off the warp core. Mm. And I guess he shuts down the engine during that sequence, but, like, but then also they say that they sort of get pulled out of warp by, uh... Yeah. Some kind of weird field. Yeah, this, yeah. It's unclear. If he did it, he must have done it right before that explosion threw him across the fucking room. And then you're right. They do say that, like, they're war- they couldn't make a warp field in that place or whatever. Right. So uh, now they're hanging out in a weird brown cloud. Uh, Trip is taken to sick bay, and he's in a coma. And uh, Flock says, hey, he's going to die. Yep. He, uh, he, his brain is all squishy now. And I can't fix it. Yeah. So, uh, T-Paul's got to go get the engines working. There's all this magnetic gunk that's, like, forming on the hull. It's getting worse and worse. Anyway, good news, Flux has a special worm on board. (laughs) And this worm has a secret power? It's the death-curing worm. (laughs) And the secret power of this worm is... If you feed it some DNA, the worm itself turns into a clone of the person. And the clone only lives 15 days. But that means that if you just wait like like five or six days, then it will be an adult clone of Trip and they can harvest brain matter from it to save Trip's life. Uh, a science fiction idea is so wild that you couldn't, they couldn't, if they'd spent the whole hour just explaining it, they still wouldn't have anywhere near enough to convince you at home, the viewer, that this could be a thing. It is so distracting. It's so, it's so awful that I just, I didn't even consider it in the execution score. No, he's just like, what am I supposed to do with this? You just have to throw it out. It's just like, if you were watching, uh, if you went to watch Avengers and you're like, I mean, what does it mean that Thor's a god? <laughs> Can we get into it? No, we're not going to get into it. Are like, we? in what sense is he a god? Yeah. And then you just got to go. Oh, I can't. I have 18, 18 fights have happened while I while I was having that thought. I can't <laughs> right. get into it at all. They introduced so, like a hundred characters I've never seen before. The science in this one is just so wild that, mm. uh, like, we'll smash cut to it. It got a it got a much better execution score than if I had stopped and considered the science. 
Yep, it's because they... Because I just don't think... The episode doesn't even exist if you think about the science for a minute. Yeah, it's so wild, you have no choice but just to focus on the morality issue that they bring up. That's right. it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what... I mean, that's the theme. We, we'll talk about the premise, but definitely the theme of this episode is... Hey, is it... Could... Hey, everyone's always worried constantly all the time about growing a clone to harvest for organs. Hmm. Like 10 years ago, we were worried about Free Jack, but then we made that good sheep, <laughs> and now we're like, oh, God, it's coming. Yeah. Um, uh, T-Pole is the ship's conscience now. Okay. So she comes to tell Archer that what he is proposing to do is morally wrong, mm. but she's like five hours too late. Archer gave the go-ahead immediately. Yeah, he and he, uh, says, he and Flocks are doing their usual let's get together and decide on morality thing. This is a mission to save Earth, and there's no mission without Trip, according to him. Never explained as well. No, but he clearly really believes it and will go into it. He talks, he says it like six times, but he never gives a justification. He's well, never Not like, just with his words, but with his actions, and I don't just mean the fundamental question of the episode. It's, a, it's really, and again, just never explored. One of many things never explored. Yeah, he can't do this without his catfish-loving friend, mm -hmm. Charles Cornelius Tucker III. I don't know if we know his middle name. He's from Florida. He is from Florida. Yeah. Three days later, the baby's born, and Phlox raises him in sickbay as his own son under the name Sim, which is a little on the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's a little on the nose. Um, but as Sim rapidly ages through each year of Trip's life, he seems to have the appropriate memories as well. Mm. This is another thing you just have to accept, mm -hmm. that this magic happens. So he's starting to ask questions. Archer takes him on a tour of the ship, teaches him to fly a model, you know, takes him to show him the dead man he's an organ bank for, normal teenage stuff. <laughs> uh, and uh, Sim seems to understand things pretty well. He just keeps growing up, starts helping T-Pole with the engines, asks her out on a date, but it's like when, uh, when Jake had that crush on Kira. Oh, Norice? Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, he should not have called her Norris. I'm not into that. Called her Norris and my fucking dick fucking retreated inside my body. Yeah, it was bad news. Uh, anyway, she's, uh, you know, that's not happening. Sure. Um, even though he tries to play the is it because I'm only going to live 15 days card with her. I thought he was a little emotionally manipulative, but I mean, he's a teenager. What are you going to do? Yeah, he's already learned. Yeah. Um. Uh, here's the here's the clock. I mean, there's two clocks. Trip is dying. Sim is only going to live 15 days. But if they don't get the ship out of that rust nebula in four days, it's never going to move again. Because all the space barnacles or whatever. Exactly. Um. But uh, here comes Sim because he's got all of Trip's skills and memories and none of his emotional problems for some reason. Hmm. And he's like, hey, Reed, is it possible to shoot the ship with the ship? Could we make it shoot itself? Right. And Reed goes, yeah. <laughs> but I, I also got the feeling Reed had not yet put it together. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Uh -huh, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. Why? Uh, he wants to, he's going to blast the crud off of the shuttle bay doors 
and take the two shuttle pods in there and use them to tow Enterprise out of that uh, nebula. Right, but the shuttle pods they ain't got enough juice. I know you gotta you gotta do a thing to them. You gotta um, you have to do a fusion overburn. Thank you. That's the, what I named my notes this week. Fusion overburn. Fusion overburn. <laughs> Um, so they're getting ready to do that plan when, uh, adult Sim goes to talk to t and he tells her that he, and probably Trip also, hmm. is pretty hung up on her. Yeah. Well, he's got all of Trip's memories like a, or whatever. Not like a couple of days ago, that was just a teenage crush. Right. But he's like, no, nah, this is the real shit, and, uh, I don't know what you and Trip have been up to, but like, but I do know. Yeah, shouldn't he know? I think he knows. I do know. Foot stuff. Uh, Sim also wants to pilot one of the shuttles, but uh, Archer says, uh, no, we need you here. Need you here to save Trip. Uh, This is a dangerous mission, but I can afford to sacrifice Reed and Mayweather if it goes wrong. Those are the two guys flying the shuttles. (laughs) Yeah, they're not not nearly as crucial as you are, Sim. I mean, Trip. Trip, Sim. (laughs) Yes, you're the organ bank for Trip, so you're... (laughs) You got to be saved, but uh, Travis hasn't had a line on this show in about ten Fucking weeks. So. Hell, a long time. That guy doesn't do shit. All he does is go. Every episode, he goes. The helm's not responding. That's it. That's every week. <laughs> and uh, we brought these Makos on board, and now we kind of don't need Reed either. So yeah, all he does is uh, get pissy when the Makos do something without asking him or whatever. Those those two are they're expendable. Yeah, I mean, I agree. They are. Uh, anyway, it works there's a lot of drama they got to take you know they got to go past the red line or whatever but it works right um so everything's good they pull it out uh and then Phlox calls archer into sickbay and he tells him hey uh earlier when i was proposing this i said that we would be able to harvest the uh brain matter from sim without harming him and he would live out his full 15 day lifespan Mm. uh but that was wrong i was wrong is, he definitely is going to die now if we do this. Flox is really fucking up. Uh, so, you know, they call him in and they're like, hey, uh, time to go, buddy. <laughs> it's your time. Uh, but he seems to have uh, heard through the grapevine, I don't know, that a group of Lysarian scientists came up with an enzyme that could maybe stop him from aging. So now the whole thing's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Sim and Archer have an argument in Tripp's quarters. He wants to live. He doesn't really believe Archer will force him to go through with the operation. Archer insists that he will because that's where we are in this arc. Yeah, Archer is like that and also his friend, Charles. I know. And not you, Tuvix. (laughs) Even though everyone seems to like you a little better. I'm glad you said Tuvix. I got some stuff about that. Well, of course, because it's Tuvix. We're doing yep. Tuvix again. I definitely had some real fucking Tuvix nostalgia in this one. Uh, Sam sets up an escape, but when he gets to the shuttle bay, he's like, I didn't think this through. We're in the middle of nowhere. I can't do shit. Yeah, what am I going to do? Fucking fly around until the Zindi shoot me or something? Right. I'm. What am I going to do? Spend my last four days in a shuttle just flying mm-hmm. around? Uh, so, I mean, he really doesn't have any choice. He goes down. He's about to go down for the procedure. T-Pole shows up and tells him she's going to miss him personally and gives him a goodbye kiss. It's all very touching. Ugh. He goes down to sick bay, wishes everyone good luck, tells him that this is what he was meant to do. <laughs> well, I mean, then, once he had no choice, I guess. Yeah, and then he loses consciousness and we're back at the funeral and they fire him into space as Trip 
the real trip looks on. Wow. So this episode's a wow. So it was kind of a lot. Yeah, it was. Um, Matthew, what's this episode about? I'm going to go simple here, and I'm going to say there are times when you must cross lines you never thought possible because the stakes are just that high or whatever. Uh, more Archer and Enterprise doing whatever it takes to beat the Zindi. Um, we will obviously get into the problems with that, but as is often the case with latter-day Star Trek, this is like the antithesis of the Roddenberry ideal. <laughs> we know Picard wouldn't do this. Yeah, so it always strikes me as out of place like it's from another show, but I guess it's fair to explore. How, how do we know Picard wouldn't do this? Do you remember when Worf wouldn't give his blood to that Romulan? Mm. And, and he's like, I can't force you. And super disappointed Picard got on the horn to Beverly Crusher and told him to leave Worf alone. Yeah. Told him to leave Worf alone. He's like, I know you you and I are both worried about this giant space war that's going to come because of this, yeah. but um, like, we can't force him. It's his blood. What are you going to do? That's that's just how it is. I begged him, and he still said no, so fuck it. And she goes, well, he died anyway. I, was, I didn't call you because you, your, your little thing on Skype said you were busy. I'll give him a dirty look two weeks from now. That's right. <laughs> Uh, it was a four for me. Fair to explore, but not not really that Star Trek-y for me. Uh, yeah, so Ben... Uh, ben took a take from the what I would say is a theme of the episode, but it's kind of just the problem in the episode. Hmm. Uh, he said his take is genetic experimentation is fraught with moral peril. Yeah, he took it more specific than I did. Yeah. Uh, well, also, so it, you and I agree... In, in some respect, that this is an episode where the horrible science fiction-y thing that happens is about cloning. The episode is not about cloning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, um, God, I guess there probably must be a Star Trek episode that's just straight about, is it okay to clone people? Was Did we do that one with Pulaski? Was that what that was about? Do you know, I think it's Measure of a Man. Oh, because, yeah, because if you're making a new race or whatever, then what right. are they? Right. Uh, anyway, uh... Ooh, I just punched my microphone. You knocked the microphone over. That's a real uh, Conan O'Brien thing to do. I don't know. David Letterman, one of them. <clears throat> Go on. Uh, yeah. So what I wrote was a clone may deserve the same rights and respect as any other person, but rights are put aside when circumstances are dire. Mm. So I'm a little torn. Uh, like I said, Picard wouldn't have played this hand this way. No. It's exactly the opposite message of Measure of a Man. But yeah. also, Troy's bridge officer exam was all about sending someone on a suicide mission. <laughs> Send Jordy into the tube or whatever. Ordering ordering someone on a mission that will certainly kill them. Get in a goddamn tube! And I don't think this is really any different, right? So, I, while it's not... It does. This absolutely doesn't feel like Star Trek, and no one explicitly makes that point. Yeah, I don't think that Archer's behavior is anything crazier than. I mean, we know Cisco would do this in oh, a hell crazy yeah. situation. I mean, he was I'm in sure the G- giant space war. Like, it's different. Picard was facing the threat of the giant space war, but Cisco had just had to be in it. Janeway will execute someone for an abstract reason of to put things right <laughs> that once went wrong. It's the number one ideal of it's that really- ship and its crew and their mission. It's really only Picard, I think, that wouldn't have done this. <clears throat> yeah, we know Kirk would have done it because they, they didn't have uh, Like, if they went to Red Alert, Cook would have, Kirk would have pushed the button for sure. Oh, yeah. And then his only guilt would have been whether it was really Red Alert or Yellow Alert. That's right. So Check the tapes. I, 
I don't think it's terribly inconsistent with Star Trek. It just absolutely does not feel like Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I gave it as many as five points. Okay. We were all pretty close on that one. Yeah. Uh, flipping around, how did you feel they did on the execution? Well, Ben's a seven on this. That's a lot. Uh, he he doesn't like the foot massage. He thinks that the uh, the opening funeral scene sets up tension, and then it, you, as soon as you hear about the symbiont, you forget like the whole tension goes away. Yeah. He wants to know why they don't shoot more of the ship with the phase <laughs> cannons because it did seem to do a pretty good job of clearing That's those right. doors. I mean, while you're at it, if you're not, I mean, don't just clear the doors. You can blast more off. Yeah, you could keep keep doing that. Probably, probably buy yourself a little extra time yeah. on your one of your ticking clocks. Um. He uh, so he says they let the best actor on the show have some runway here, and he he did okay, and it's fine from a storytelling. And you have to forgive all the giant plot holes. And he thought that T pole was effective also. It's weird that we all fa- we all found ourselves in the same place with that, where it's like <laughs> it is this. What episode has more giant potholes than this? And it's just like or plot holes, and they're just like. But we all went. Well, what are you gonna do? It's just, it's too much. It's not like, it's not like uh, the writers just, uh, there was a super obvious solution. And because the writers didn't think of it, none of the super smart characters thought of it either. And you're just like, eh, that's, that's disappointing. Yeah. Although in this one, it's just like, they assert some crazy shit happens and you're just like, huh? Okay. It's kind of like when, uh, when uh, Picard goes to the place where thoughts are reality and you're just like, I guess that happened. I guess that happened in that universe or in that galaxy. It's not worth thinking about how that could happen. It just happened. Yeah. Well, we've seen it. They thought of a fire. There was a fire. What are you going to do? And I'm, I'm similar. Like the science is such a wild stretch that you can't even engage with it. They do waste some time in this story. Like, the scene where Sim wants to fly the shuttle pod and Archer tells him he can't, it doesn't accomplish anything. Like, okay, you wanted to fly it, but I need you here. And yeah, then let's I don't know. do all the business with the shuttle escape or whatever. Was it supposed to be, we're supposed to be getting the feeling that Archer doesn't trust him or something? I don't know. I wasn't sure I what was happening. I didn't read that, okay. but I, yeah, I don't know. Um... There's time that could have been spent, I think, since the parts of this episode that worked were the emotional parts, then it would have been better to spend more time with him interacting with the rest of the crew. Yeah. And but with him and and Phlox, like, if you're going to introduce a little thing at the end about how, oh, Phlox, you were a good dad to me, you got to <laughs> yeah. show that. Yeah, they can't, you can't just show, like, uh, what was it, a, the Phlox's personal log or something? And he's like, I'm treating him like a kid. It's really going good. Or was right. it Archer? Yeah. I don't know. Someone was just describing. Fox uh, was de- how I don't know how humans raise babies. Well, babies don't grow uh, four yeah. years every day. Uh, yeah, he was like Doctor Maddox. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I having such a crazy <laughs> day over here. Anyway, Keiko and O'Brien are they going to get married? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um. So yeah, so the time was not all budgeted well. Uh, like in the episode Parallels, it this episode advances a romance plot in the most cowardly way. Yep. <laughs> yes. Like Alternate really, universe version? It, or it oh, really how plays, about a clone? Really plays what if. <laughs> yeah. 
but having said that, I think that uh, LeVar Burton, who directed this episode, got pretty good performances out of Archer and Tripp and T-Pole, and that's not always easy. God, that's the truth. I gave it as many as five for execution. Wow, okay. Yeah, I was saying, oh, we all got to the same place where we didn't really care about how crazy this is, but then I looked at my notes and I went, I guess I didn't quite get there. I mean, um, I, I wrote down a bunch of shit about all the science, and then at the end I was like, that's too much. I can't. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the part that I have on that in execution is just Star Trek's all about suspending your disbelief, but this shit is whack. He knows everything Trip knows and remembers everything he remembers. That's dumb. Does he not remember being a kid three days ago? And like, why isn't that a mind fuck? Because it's just like, <laughs> well, no. At the end, he does. He says, "Not only do I have Trip's memories, but I, I have, have mine. all of mine." And that's why you were such a good dad, Dad. Love you, Dad. It's weird. It's um. That's just, it's fucking weird. I remember but how it, you turned me over to Archer as soon as I hit puberty, and then Archer <laughs> turned me over to his dog, I guess. <laughs> I was mostly raised by that dog, now that I think about it. You were a good dad, Porthos. Um, and about my take. The problem with this episode is that what we mostly get is Trip's journey, and that's not really what the plots, that's not what the moral ambiguity is about. Right? No, it is true. We spend the whole episode with Trip, and the question it should at the be end an Archer centric. Archer going to force him exactly? Yeah, this should be an Archer centric episode if that's going to be the take. If it's Trip, you'd want it to be. It would be an episode about the, how the way you face death says as much about how you as much about you as how you face life or whatever they say in Star Trek. Um. Two. <laughs> sure. Three. Two. One of them. Um, I don't remember the exact... I don't even remember what moment you're talking about. Ah, well, it's, you know, talking about the no-win scenario or whatever. Oh, okay. That'll yeah. be in two. Um, down, on, down on regular one. Yes. So it's like, okay, it's about... It's this episode's all about Trip, so it kind of takes away from what the plot is supposed to be about. And given all of that, I had it as a three on execution. I'm not going to argue for this episode. Yeah. Uh, a world building. Uh, ben had it as a two. Lysarian larvae symbionts. Uh, space barnacles from the nucleonic particle cloud they were in. The shared memory thing is total crap, so it sucks that it's in there. <laughs> Maybe a product of its time, though. Probably just laziness on the writer's part, because, yeah, where did that kid get that bad accent? <laughs> it's all fair. It's all very fair stuff. I wonder, I don't know if that is that bad an accent. Do you know how kids have stronger regional accents than when they grow into adults and realize they sound ridiculous? But we've already gotten the regional accent at this point. It's part of that shared memory yeah, bullcrap. Yeah, shared memories. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Because suddenly that kid's got a fucking crazy southern fucking catfish accent or whatever. Uh, I also had it as a two, but I could have seen a one. In, yeah. in, in Star Trek, almost every malfunction causes a loss of helm control. <laughs> it is it's true a, it's like the most shouted thing on every show hey, the engines there's too much engine i lost helm control <laughs> helm, sorry helm's down again ah uh, sorry there's not enough engine i don't have uh, helm control i need more engine can you turn up my engine and my left engine you have to um, turn up the left shits <laughs> turn my left shits up some on the go warp systems maintenance i guess is what they're up to um this field of nucleonic particles suffocating the ship's systems, fusion overburn. Shuttle pods have no toilet facilities. Yeah, those uh, things are pretty little. 
these Lasarian clones and everything about them. It, it earns a two, but again, I if you if someone gave it a one, I'd be like, that is fair. Uh, yeah, we're in lockstep here. I have it as a two. There's the Lasarian Prime Conclave. Yep. Enterprise can shoot itself. Yep. Shuttle pods normally can't tow Enterprise, although I can't think of one good reason why not. <laughs> they, they don't have the thrust. They said so. Mm, but I mean, yep. that's not how space is and well, do. And yet. <laughs> it's just not how space do. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> yep. They had an excuse ready made for that one. The particles are magnetic. They're sticking to the ship via magnetism. Also, they're probably magnetic to each other. Mm-hmm. That would be a force that would resist being pulled. Yeah, but they just needed to be like, we need to make those shuttles stronger. No, That's the shuttles are it. not powerful enough. You can't. Yeah. They need more engine. Uh, yeah, I have it as a two. Okay, that's again. I think that's fair. I it's on the generous side of fair, if anything. Yeah. Ben is a three for characterization. Yeah. He says uh, the Masaji stuff is pretty confusing. A couple episodes ago, weren't we exploring how good of a couple T-Pole and Archer would be together? Now we're into this this trip T-Pole thing. Yeah. It's a good question. It does seem like a weird pivot. They've really given us a lot of Archer T-Pole shit in the past couple of years. That's true. But I mean... Unless they're setting they... up a gross love triangle that I don't want to watch. They... From the moment that Trip was like, I don't know, man, I'm not sleeping, and Flox was like, I've got a sexy idea to solve this problem. <laughs> I get it. I mean, I get it, that. Like, they've been, they've been, this has been coming for some time. But Ben's right that they then went right back in the one where Archer lost his dang old memory. Oh, yeah, where she becomes his caretaker, yeah. and then Flox is like, I don't know, do you gonna tell him how you feel? You gonna tell him you got all the romance feelings for him or whatever? Well, anyway, that never happened. I get it. I'm just... I, it, they did do a, like two. They've been two years of building on this, but it does seem like we are not gonna. We're not gonna move forward with that one. We're going I with hope, the trip one. I hope we eventually discover that Hoshi's had like eight relationships on board this whole time. <laughs> that she's just and spreading it around. Yeah, she's just spreading it around, <laughs> and it's just like fucking ah. chef and everybody out there. Because it's not just everybody's into T pole. Yeah, and yet that's why they hired her, right? Isn't that? I guess that's what we're supposed to think. Is that's why they got that actress on there, it's even though cast her. I think she looks like some kind of evil, Steve. Like the idea of evil, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you really don't like fake boobs. No, it's not. The, I mean, I think her face looks hella weird too. I think it's. I think it looks weird. She's constantly doing Vulcan face. It's very strange. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I gave it a five. Okay. So. This is Archer getting his first taste of doing whatever it takes. Like, I guess. Really? Are you saying? I guess he's just only been threatening in the past. Yeah, he's been threatening it yeah. since he got into the expanse. But then he's just been letting people go or whatever. Right. Um. But my faith that this episode will affect him meaningfully going forward is extremely low. I would say that's correct. This one seems like it's been neatly resolved. Yeah. Well, he's got a trip back. That's all he cared about. He got him. Uh, however, I do think it is reasonable that this Vulcan, in this situation, can admit to Sim that she's going to miss him. Like, 
Yeah, this is an easier pill to swallow. Exactly. Uh, it's hard for me to decide what to do with Trip here. Nothing about nothing about what Sam did or said jumped out at me as something Trip wouldn't have done if the story had actually been about him. Mm-hmm. So I just am kind of picking my way to the middle here. Okay. Like, this is a five in terms of character work. Nothing egregious. Like... I think that the acting was better this week than in some weeks. Right. Which probably means that, that the direction was better. Uh, and I, nothing really jumped out at me character-wise. Okay, that's fair. Uh, here's what I got. T-Pole and Trip are still getting mad ruddy. Trip has stopped pretending he's not into it, though. Trip used to have a dog named Bedford. I can only assume he's named after Nathan Bedford Forrest, so fuck this redneck piece of shit. <laughs> it's probably true. Uh, this version of Trip gives himself up in the end, but he doesn't have much choice, and I don't know what it means. Um, he puts on a brave face, and that's about it. Right. Uh, Teepole wouldn't fuck a little kid, I think. <laughs> but she's definitely into well, Trip. I don't know, man. Do you remember when Spock was going through Ponfar? Well, it was different. She had to to save his life. Oh, they I, cut away. Who knows what happened? I guess. I don't really know. It was weird. It was a weird movie in a weird planet. You think she fucked him and the Klingons just watched? Um, this is before or after they stabbed David. Spoiler alert, everybody. I don't remember. That is a, not a movie I have sought out a bunch of times. It's just... Um, I usually will just watch two, four, and six, and then maybe one. Yeah, sometimes. the second Savic hurts me. Hurts oh, me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, but anyway, she's definitely into Trip. I guess that's, that's fucking out, out there now for us, even if it's not out, out in the open on the ship. Um, Archer is so damn impatient. Phlox is about seven seconds into his clone idea, and Archer <laughs> tells him to hurry the fuck up. Yep. He's like, well, I got this worm, you see, and he's like, all right, whoa, come on! Tell me how to save Trip! And it's like, all right, man, and it's literally what he's, he's laying doing. there dying. Please Tell me patient. about the worm. Please be patient. All he said was, I got this worm. Uh, and he's all systems go on farming sentient beings for replacement uh, to, organs. To be fair, Flox tells, uh, does tell Archer something that he wouldn't have told him in real life because he's telling us, which is why he has this worm. I don't like, know. Flox tells him, ah, oh, it secretes a... It secretes a mucous membrane that has antiviral properties, to which me, he probably that, wouldn't have bothered to tell Archer. To, to me, that indicated he was guilty about having that worm. Well, he shouldn't have because he brings right? it because he brings it up with an immediate reason. Uh, I got this worm, and the reason I got this worm just let me tell you about that. So it's a very helpful medical worm. No, no one thinks I it's a it. good idea to have this worm. And when Tepole says that the worm is illegal to have, he says, mm -hmm. "I don't work for the Lysarians." Yep. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, she's like, the Lesarian's abandoned or whatever. And he's like, yeah, that's not really my problem. He's like, oh, don't you get it? I'm Dr. Frankenstein on this show. It's fucking wild. Uh, Everyone is allowed to fuck my wife, and I will violate every piece of medical ethics. Anyway, uh, Archer's all systems go on farming sentient beings for replacement parts. Then he, like, doesn't want to look at the baby. <laughs> yep. Like, come on, bro. You, you did this. This baby exists because you, you told it to. 
And then later he does decide to be his new dad, but then he makes an even weirder call. He straight tells this kid he's livestock. Yeah. Which is just... The scene where he, he keeps saying trip all loud and spitty shows he's crossed over in a way. Um, oh, he doesn't make one decision in this whole episode that is not emotional. Yeah, he's on That it. is Archer. Uh, yes, he is always very emotional. Yeah. And then he just straight told the guy he was going to have to drag him down to sickbay and have him executed for the mission. So, yeah, Archer was all over one on this one. It was weird when he accidentally called him Tuvix. <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry, Tuvix, I know everyone likes you. He's like, what? Uh, but what is Phlox? Like, his good, good doctor idea is to clone Trip and harvest the clone's organs or whatever or his brain matter to save him. Which seems monstrous. Mm-hmm. And that scene where he tells him that he was a good son made my skin crawl. Yeah. I cloned you so I can steal your brain parts. You were a real good boy. It's time to die now, son. Like, this is the main character? We're, we're gonna have to be with this guy next week. I'm not gonna forget this. I'm really invested in this guy's weird sex arc, so it's time for you to die. Well, anyway, the decision they make is monstrous and cruel, but I have to say this episode actually does show a lot of character growth and character change in many ways for Trip, T-Pole, and Archer, which which makes it a meaningful entry in the series, which makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, gave it a, I gave it a six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, we're... Yeah, we're pretty much the same here. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe I have to give this points because they did so much character work, even though everything that's happening is monstrous. So, I mean, I'll ask you for quick hitters in a moment, but, uh, like, if you read about this episode, it is generally considered the best episode of the series. What? I mean, Mm -hmm. it is a bad series, to be fair. And that tells you a lot about Enterprise. Yeah. I was like, no way. And then I went, well, I mean, what's the competition? The one where... The one where her boobs hit him in the face? He's <laughs> right. When she slapstick smothers him with her big old tits. I mean, that's one of those Andorian ones, right? Don't Aren't those our highest scoring ones? Uh, they have been. And this is not going to be the highest scoring no, no, no. Uh, Enterprise episode by far. Yeah, we, like, uh, everything about it is real middle of the road. We're going to end up now. disagreeing not on the hard numbers we will, and also just with my, with my fucking emotions, I disagree with that take. Yeah, that's true. Um, now, having said that, it happens that it's in a real weak week. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, everybody. Week. Uh, this was a bad one. So this bad episode, hmm. I think, still has a chance. And we'll just have to see how the rest of the numbers line up. Good. All right. That was a good tease. Uh, this episode has three fives and a six on board. That might be high. Coming up, I'll tell you why Favorite Son is Voyager's <laughs> worst episode. Stay tuned. <laughs> Uh, do you have some quick hitters, though? Sure. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Again, Charles is dead, just to mimic the one where he taught that guy how to read, and he died. Yep. <clears throat> um, oh, you mean the episode that was a big inspiration when Manny Cotto came on board to write for Enterprise? Oh, good. I'm glad someone drew inspiration from that piece yeah, of shit. Yeah, that was, that was his favorite uh, Enterprise episode at the time. Good of Lord. him writing this episode. Oh, good Lord. All right. Um, a lot of foot stuff, butt stuff, but why? I thought we were going dark this season. I didn't know we were going, like, 
blue. You know, we were going to go fucking sexy. Well, you're going to get your fill of dark in the rest of this episode. The moment Archer says the word clone, you go, oh, that's who's dead. <laughs> yes, exactly. I got it. That I got first it. scene is so pointless. Yep, I got it. All right, I got it. Then I did write, also, is this going to be another Tuvix, but worse? Yeah, talk about two minutes you could have cut from this episode. Just the yeah. teaser. They thought that was going to be so, like, oh, Trip, di- Trip didn't fucking die. Just make the teaser from the foot massage to Trip's coma. Yeah. Yeah, then be like, oh, no, have it to, like, where Flock says he's going to die. Then go to the credits. Um, Sim's a snitch. Just spreading trips, mushy romance feelings all over the place. He's not yeah, going to enjoy that. He definitely puts him on blast. Not going to lie, dude. If I had a thing for a lady and she planted one on my clone and not me, it would be hard not to take it personal. Well, there's good news. Probably Trip never finds out that happened. I'm just saying. It's a small ship. Also, T-Pole is probably going to make him feel bad about it. She seems like she's that way. Uh, that's all I had. Uh, I had cool, can't wait to see how this is fake. And then, okay, I get it. This is what they buried. (laughs) Then I wrote, "Uh uh-oh, diamagnetic fields again. Yeah. These uh, particles are creating a diamagnetic field. I remember that was a Voyager one, right? Well, diamagnetic materials were causing problems. And then Ben Ben and I had an argument on Twitter about what that meant. Yeah, but wasn't that a Voyager? They wasn't Voyager Voyager. talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. But this time they've introduced the idea of a diamagnetic field, and that's nothing. Good. Great. How does Sim know that there's an experimental treatment for his aging? He um, Was that in the Vulcan database? Well, he linked up with the Babylon 5 computer, and then he did a search for um, near-death and uh, emergency and, oh, what is it? Um, I have something like emergency measures or something like that. And that's how he found the alien healing device. I guess so. But it's just like, <laughs> it's so weird <clears throat> I don't think I even got into this, but Trip wants to undergo an experimental procedure, or Sim wants to undergo an experimental procedure that could... So one of the decisions Archer could possibly make is to have Phlox synthesize this enzyme that he thinks probably won't work, but yeah. which, if it does work, would mean that Sim could live to be Trip's normal lifespan from that point on. Yeah, but Instead it'll of take dying long in four enough... Or five days, to do yeah, the treatment, that, that it would be th- too late for Trip. That it'd be too late for Trip if the treatment didn't work. <sighs> oh, for a split second, I thought maybe I hadn't remembered this one, and that this that the trip we continue with is Trip Two or something. Sure, for just right. a split second, I went, "Oh, maybe it's Trip Two. I mean, it's, look, it's we have Harry Kim too. It's not impossible because she said she said it right. <laughs> That's what she does. <laughs> That's right. Janeway said right what well, once went wrong, and now <laughs> we have Harry Kim now too on. The- well, now and ba- baby too. too, whatever uh, the baby's well, name is, right? Uh, by the way, well, we'll talk. We will probably spend forty-five minutes talking about this fucking terrible Voyager. <laughs> minute, so I don't want to get into it. It's my favorite fifty minutes of the week. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but like, <clears throat> when they're when they call him in to tell him, uh, turns out you're going to die a few days early. He's yeah. like, well, okay, now wait. Now isn't there? Now, isn't there a secret enzyme that yeah. a weird radical group among the Lysarians developed that could it's, maybe make me live forever? And it's just it, like, how do you know that? Yeah, but if Is that genetic done, memory or did you look it up somewhere? If you've been looking it up, why were you waiting to tell them? What were you exactly. waiting for? Were you like, going to be laying on the bed and go, hold up, I just had a thought. 
And then I, and then I was like, uh, what part of, I was like, oh, okay, maybe T-Pole doesn't think this was right all along. Maybe she mm. knew that somehow, like it's in the Vulcan database and she fucking planted it on him. Ooh. But at, if that happened, we never saw it. That's just Ooh. theory corner. That would be great if she did that because she really was more attracted to Trip 2 than Trip 1. Maybe yeah. because Trip 2 was more open with his feelings. It could be. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It does not matter. She's going to have to live with Trip 1. Um, and then here's a here's a puzzler. So at the end of the show, uh, Trip is at Sim's funeral. Archer waited till Trip was up and walking around from his traumatic brain injury. Yeah, I and, definitely would have got rid of that body. And brain transplant, partial <laughs> brain transplant. Yep. He waited till he was up and walking around to hold the funeral. Seems like kind of a dick move in some way. It seems like a dick move to have the funeral at all. Just to invite everyone over and be like, look at this thing I did. Look he at this the, monster he thing. made the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> this monster created by our monstrous actions made the ultimate sacrifice. Everyone look upon it. It's like, it's so wild. He didn't want to make it, but I made him make the ultimate <laughs> sacrifice. He tried to escape in a shuttle, but then he was like, nah, I mean, I mean, that's not going to do anything that's, for me. That's half a plan and I'll just die in space. I guess I'm cornered, so I guess I'll go in and die. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, rest in peace. I gave best actor to 12-year-old Sim. Oh, wow. Okay, so you went with uh, the uh, flying the model around, Sim. Yeah, that's right. And I okay. gave worst actor to 30-year-old Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> he only said the helm was down. No, he got to fly the shuttle pod in this one, and it was all rocking. Oh, his shaking wasn't good, was it? <laughs> no. He didn't shake so very good. They can't even put the like, camera on him because he doesn't shake good. On the one hand, I understand why he doesn't get a lot of lines. He does read I think them bad. I do think it's a chicken and egg problem. Like, he's had zero time to play the character of Mayweather in this series. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure like, if they were being honest, which they'd love to do because apparently they don't know they're horrible people, all the creators of Star Trek, if they were being honest, they'd probably say what the news radio people said when they admitted they didn't know how to write for Catherine because she was black. <laughs> and you just went, what? What do you... What? <laughs> Oh, you, I mean, why she left here's, the show. I mean, here's kind of an easy solution. If you really can't find it in your heart to write for people of a different color, you can hire a black writer. <laughs> probably I mean, got, there's probably 15 writers on news radio, just to guess. I don't know if the writers union says it's okay, but I mean, like, you should probably, probably look hire, into it. You probably hire a couple of black people to write for. <laughs> Jesus. If it's. If you just can't imagine a possible yes. world in which you can do it. If you're so limited by race that you just can't, you're not able to even imagine what it might be like to be a black person in America. Another thing or you in could Starfleet. maybe do is just write her as a radio personality because uh -huh. uh, that's what you did. Yeah. You didn't really write Bill McNeil as a white person except in the episode <laughs> where he discovers rap. That's right. That was pretty much the only one. Otherwise, you write him as an insano. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe just write just write him some stuff. So I imagine. So it you think it's a possibility like that. that Brandon Braga can't write for black people, and that's yeah. part of the problem with Mayweather? Because from the beginning, we have got nothing from that guy at all. I'll give it to you. I don't think Hoshi's a particularly well-realized character either. Nope. Nope. Actually, all the characters suck. The best one is Trip, <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense that he's the best character on this show. And I think it's so just nasty. because he's a better actor. It's just the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, I mean... As he's, I, he can he can say we were we went in a rowboat. <laughs> it still makes me laugh. Oh, um, okay. In fact, revisiting the actor rankings, we both technically had Flocks on top. 
but I wonder about that now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we both had trip second, so maybe it's close. We'll, we'll revisit Fox it again at the end the of TOS. Neelix quirk bump. Yeah, from being the weird outsider. Yeah, he gets to play. Uh, I'm a weird alien wearing my weird alien makeup or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Fourth place. You did your quick hitters, right? Yeah, I did them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth place last week was Voyager. This week we watched Favorite Son. I'm the family's unknown boy. Golden curls of envied hair. Pretty girls with faces <laughs> See the shine in the black sheep boy. <laughs> I, I hate having to read Voyager. Um... <clears throat> Voyager meets an alien ship. It's, uh, the aliens on it are the Nasari. Yes. And Harry Kim senses they're going to attack. And without waiting for orders, starts blasting those fuckers like crazy. Yeah. Uh, turns out those guys are pretty strong, so they get into kind of a firefight. And they do end up disabling the enemy ship's weapons, but not before taking some damage and injuring Bellana Torres. Mm-hmm. It's a bad week to be an engineer. Yeah. Uh, Kim is confined to quarters, and that night he has a crazy dream that turns out not to be just a dream. Because when he wakes up, he has weird markings on his face and shit. Wait, you don't even want to talk about the powerful imagery in the dream? Why would I want to talk about that? Is it important? (laughs) I mean, his mother appears, and then it's very clear that she's Janeway. (laughs) Yes. There's some real Freudian shit going on here. Uh, uh, turns out he's been feeling like this part of space is familiar for a while, and um, that's what that first hunch about the alien ship was based on. The Nasari come after Voyager again, and Kim guides them to a mysterious planet where the mercenary vessel from Gambit saves them. Okay. And the Nasari are? Oh, um... Uh, what? The Romulan scout ship painted brown. Oh, nice. oh, you know what? They did look familiar. And shot from a low angle. Was it the scout ship or the science vessel? Scout ship. Okay. Uh, I w- uh, they're the one with the uh, radiator front. I swear to God, I looked right at that model and I said, it looks familiar. And then I said, I wonder why they went so simple with that model. <laughs> That's because it already existed is why. Um... Anyway, uh, these boys that saved them uh, is girls, and they is Teresian. Yes. Teresian? And they recognize Harry on site and welcome him home. Uh, yeah, well, the, he's got all his weird spots, and they've got the same spots. Uh, it seemed like they, they were like, um, they knew who he was, though. But anyway, there's a lot of stuff about Harry being from off, being a, a far-flung offspring of the Teresians, programmed to come back home and make babies or whatever. But guess what, huh? It's a fake out. That's all out. a fucking lie. Yeah, it's a big fake out. Turns uh, out, it, yeah. If it's if it sounds incredible, bear in mind that at this point we have already swallowed the same story for Odo. That's right. Yeah. It's basically his Odo's story. Yep. They're telling Harry Kim he's Odo, but he's not. Yeah, that someone went except that someone went and impregnated his mom or whatever. Yeah, that he was that the babies were sent out and no one's ever made it back from as far away as he did. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, turns out the Nasari, those first aliens, hate these fuckers because they're weird intergalactic conmen and kidnappers. Um, they've uh, fooled Voyager and Harry Kim into thinking he's one of them. Uh, they fucked up his genes back on the Virilium planet from a few weeks back. 
uh, actually, they never made it to the Virilium planet. But you know, we when, just heard about it. Yeah, when they when they were you know, getting... after. They, they heard rumors about it on that trading world where uh, Schmollis turned into Mr. Hyde. Right, exactly, right. Anyway, later, I guess they went there and he got a virus. He got a virus, which was did this to him. Uh, anyway, Voyager finally catches on, but now they can't make contact with Harry, nor he with them. Uh, he goes to a wedding, and then he has some dumb dreams again, and then he's like, sex is wrong, and refuses to bang these chicks who were after him. And then he goes to check on his buddy, Tamon, who kept saying everything was crescent fresh. And he finds his nasty old corpse tied up in bed. And then the blonde chick, who's a terrible actress, tells him that they gotta, like, harvest the males to keep the species alive. And that he'll be celebrated for his contribution or whatever. He escapes from her, too, but then all the ladies attack him with sticks so they can get his seed or whatever. When it seems like it's hopeless, Harry's beamed back aboard Voyager, who did a techno babble to get through the Teresian force field. They kind of just pushed their way through because there was the a force field because they, did they find a hole and wedge their way through or something weird? A teeny little vulnerable hole. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then they let the Teresians and the Nasari duke it out and they get out of town. Uh, Kim tells Neelix and TP about the sirens of Greek mythology. And then we are mercifully released from this episode. Yeah, I'm afraid so. So you're not special. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> I like it. Good. <laughs> About time, Star Trek. Uh, Harry is a... By chance, this virus found its way into a real low self-esteem boy. Yeah, who's just happy that somebody likes him. Who's like real busted up about the sacrifices his parents made for him. Which is wild, because what's the Federation of Con... What sacrifices could they possibly have made? Yeah, they couldn't um, be alien archaeologists or anything. Why they had to be with their baby boy, and so he could couldn't he play the clarinet on an alien world? Teach him all about how cool it would be to play the clarinet. I mean, sure, if you take your kid to an alien world to do alien archaeology, sometimes <laughs> they do summon a friendly angel. That does suck. Uh, <laughs> just thinking about the guy. So as you believe, and as you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do, so shall you do. As you believe, so shall you do. I am not reading. I've memorized all of this. Show yourself, Gorgon. I've memorized all of my lines. I memorized them well. We'll go to Marcus 12. I'm not looking over there because I'm reading. I memorized this. <laughs> Marcus 12 is where we'll find a million new friends. It's just like, what is happening? Anyway, this is a big. This episode is a big dumb, uh, dumb male fantasy for Harry Kim, oh where he's like, basically the only man, and all of these hot ladies want a piece of him, and they're constantly telling him he's special. Yep, Rub and, and like, rubbing him a lot, just so much rubbing. And like, isn't it nice to feel special? And his buddy who does drugs is like, hey, yeah, man, man. it's cool to just let yourself feel special man just it's all fuck good some ladies i'm gonna fuck this one and then i'm gonna fuck that one over there because i'm special <laughs> three wives dude <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be so crescent fresh uh and then it's uh you know just like hey maybe you're being manipulated i yeah. guess it's the episode <laughs> yep i mean and that sucks that's a uh, uh you know i had a three but it's a two it's a two point take Ben's not far off. He says, "Don't shit t- take shit at face fuck. Don't take shit at face value. Uh, identifiable but lame." So basically, hey, they they probably lying to you. Yeah, that's it. They probably lying, and that was a three for for Ben. 
Yeah, or you know, some if something's too good to be seems too good to be true, it probably is or some shit. I had the more specific version of that. Women are predators? Question mark. Thanks, Gene. <laughs> are literal succubi in this. Gene's been dead. Gene's been dead for five years by the time this episode's on the. Are air. you telling me this isn't an old script that Gene had hidden under his fucking pillow? Come on, man. The ladies wanted his seed, but then they attacked him with sticks. We know what Gene thought about the ladies. So it is an old episode. It was originally meant for Jordy. Oh. You know, the guy who's not good with the ladies. So Gene did write it. And uh, who they thought was maybe boring and it was going to turn out he was an alien and they were going to keep him as an alien. In fact, the first draft of this episode kept Kim as an alien at the end. <laughs> yep. Like it turned out to be true and he just left anyway. <laughs> um. So you're telling me it was... Yeah, it probably was directly written by Gene Roddenberry, yes. <laughs> but or it was... maybe it's a real old episode from Gene Kuhn from TOS. <laughs> I was going to say, probably Gene Roddenberry spelled backwards. So like <laughs> e- Enig... Something. I don't know. He, he always credits himself as Gorgon Trelane. <laughs> oh, God, does he? No, I made that up. That'd be so good. <laughs> Enig Erebnetter or something. <laughs> now, that uh, was the Indian guy he went to college with. Uh, anyway, never trust a big button to smile. It's a one. I also, my initial cynical take was never trust a big button to smile. <laughs> Stay out of my notes. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's, you accidentally shared them. I read your notes. You don't read mine. You accidentally shared them. That's your fault. Uh, I would love I, to swing over to execution. Yeah, let's do that. Mm, I'll read mine and then I'll read Ben's. Um. Oh, wow. This dream sequence makes me as angry as a red-ass Judah. <laughs> That's right. You know I was fucking furious. <laughs> I mean, then he had another dream sequence later, and I was like, what are they doing? Like, what are we even doing here? Um, this this trilogy of exploding anuses, was this the worst of the three? Uh, it's the last of the three. I mean, sure, yes, I think this was the worst of the three. I think Rise was the best, and this was the worst. Because, I mean, these fucking sucked. And this one, this one was a one in execution for me. I found nothing redeeming about it at all. We scored Rise on 19. We scored Darkling and 11 total. Oh, boy. Maybe that maybe Darkling will turn out to have been the worst. We'll see. I mean, Darkling was pretty bad. <laughs> it's true. Uh, anyway, it was a one for me in execution. Ben gave it a two. He said, uh, Anson Kim off his nut with alien chicken pox, a dreamscape. Great. Pretty obvious up front, it's an infection of some sort, and Harry Kim isn't really an alien. Uh, He does a shoulder roll over the bed to escape those women. He did it. It was a really bad one. I really wanted him to say parkour when he did it. Um, Well, I didn't didn't see this specifically in Memory Alpha, but please remember, in the episode where Harry Kim 2 comes to live with us forever, (laughs) he did that great. He added a bunch of tumbling moves because he had been doing tumbling as a hobby. Why wasn't he better at it? Uh, that's a good question, He huh? was bad in that episode, he's bad in this one. So, Barrett, he may have reminded whoever directed this, hey, you know, I can do a shoulder roll. You want Maybe me to, like, I can, uh, do, do a, a shoulder roll out of this situation? You want me to do a backwards roll off this bed? I'm, I'm Garrett Wang. Uh, more Greek mythology to close out. And then he says, damn, did someone just take a course at Hollywood's writing school for assholes or what? <laughs> yep, I mean, right, yeah, for sure. In Hollywood, they might actually call it that. <laughs> That's right. They're a little bit self-aware. 
What about you? How did you feel this thing did? Uh, this is a real wet fart of an episode. Yeah. Uh, so the technology doesn't make sense. But not to the degree where we just have to let it off the hook. Okay. Just regular like, suck. Just regular suck. Like, right now, today, if we needed to, we could turn an X chromosome into a Y chromosome. Mm-hmm. Like, we could just do it. These aliens can engineer a virus that rewrites any alien species' DNA to the point where it can inject genetic memories that give very precise premonitions about the Nasari. Yeah. But they can't come up with any other solution to their too many women problem? Yep. That doesn't make... Eh. No one acts remotely like a real person in this episode is the other big problem. Yeah. When... But, wait, wait, wait. Just to go back to your first point. Not only that. Not only can they not just make some more ladies, even if they're still going to get dudes. Dudes. They, they need dudes. The height of their technology seems to be to fucking murder them. Yeah, that's To right. take their bits. Yep. It's kind of crazy. No, we need to denucleate, like, <laughs> like really a lot of cells. Yep. Why? Are you making... Are you making a baby out of the cells you took from Just me? make them jizz or whatever. I mean, isn't that how we normally do it? What's going on? The cells do divide? Yeah. That they do divide? <laughs> it's, it's, you're right. It is a wildly bad piece of technology that they've developed. It's not fantastically bad. Like, it's it's just... It just doesn't... No one thought about it for one more minute. Mm-hmm. And then how people were acting, yes. Okay, so, yeah, this, this is the other big problem with this episode. Uh... At, at a certain point, they believe that these aliens impregnated Harry Kim's mom on Earth, and no one asks if they can use that great technology to go home. <laughs> That's right. Hey, when did you do that? Like 20 years ago or whatever? Why don't you, um, why don't you pop us in the, is one of those tubes, like at, at an old bank or something? You're going to shoot us through the tube? I tell you what, we will take all the babies you want to Earth. We will find volunteers to impregnate. Yeah. People will be willing. It's the future. Everyone's so selfless. Some someone on this crew will give you male DNA, and we'll make babies and take them right to Earth. We'll just take them all in this one ship. Yeah, we just got to we'll get be, there. Be a ship full of fucking babies. Call us the fucking SS babies, because that's what we're gonna be doing. Janeway makes peace off screen with these Nasari in what seems like about five minutes, but she doesn't ask them at all what this shoot on site war is about. Yep, like to the point where. <laughs> The best she gets from him is that there are rumors about <laughs> about these people. Yeah, they're like, oh, you won't get your crew back. We've heard rumors. They anyway, don't come back, peace. I think. Yeah. Um, sexless Harry Kim mm. is less self-aware than Alien Odo, <laughs> who knows that Kira doesn't love him. Yeah, right? Yeah. Because it just feels so good to be special. Yeah. And that's enough for Harry Kim to stop thinking. They wrote a real piece of shit. A real bad character. Schmellus confirms the Teresian story until the moment Voyager leaves orbit and then he realizes he can look up old records. <laughs> it's wild. And then he's like, oh, hang on. Turns out that DNA wasn't inside him all along. I, I know I should have looked that up earlier and I know it definitely sounded like I told you it was always inside him. That's right. <laughs> but I finally checked, and it wasn't. I definitely could have looked it up earlier, but I didn't want to. So I didn't. I didn't look it up. Yeah, and then, as if the episode is ashamed of itself, the ending scene has Harry Kim telling the story of Odysseus and the Sirens to Neelix, mm. as if to just look into the camera and say, hey, we didn't invent this horse shit. <laughs> Blame the Greeks. Yeah, You don't like it? It's classics. That's right. 
I don't know what I would have scored it, but you have to factor in the mandatory two-point deduction for Dreams that I oh, probably no. haven't given in 35 weeks. Right. But it's so bad this week. There were two uh, bad dream sequences. It ends up being a zero. Yep, I'm. that's fair. <clears throat> Very fair. It's just, a, this episode was so bad. So this is the end of the trilogy, right? Next week's definitely going to be really good, right? Like, really good? Uh, it's it's called be, Before and After. How does that make you feel? That's going to be a real bad fucking episode. There's no sounds, doubt about that. It sounds real. Anything that implies anything about time <laughs> is not very good. worrying to me. I did see the thumbnail. I didn't bother to read the episode title. I'm very upset now. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, World Building Ben gave it a two. He said, the new alien of the week is the Nasari, and they're comparable to Voyager, the weakest ship in the system. A whole species that has surrogates for reproduction only. Uh, these Teresian bitches use sticks to subdue Harry, but use a badass ship to fight off Voyager. No phasers. Yeah. Yep, they really did want to hit him with sticks. It's so true. they use their ritual clon peaks on him, for sure. The, the big, the jumbo-sized clon peaks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're bigger in the Delta Quadrant. Uh, everything's bigger in the those Delta are, Quadrant. Yeah, it's those a t-shirt. Gamma Quadrant clon peaks and also uh lutan's people had them sure well you know i forget what the name of lutan's planet was they have a strict code of honor africa is that one of the things about them in the briefing the briefing studies the briefing studies which were high (laughs) the part that was highly emphasized you mean uh uh what about you on the the world build Oh, you're you're gonna do it? <laughs> no, I'm not. It does appears that I never added that to my soundboard. So what? Yeah, I have to put it back on. That's later. crucial. <laughs> That's one of the important pieces of art. Uh, I gave it a one. Okay. There is some transporter biofilter stuff. Okay. And we learned they did eventually visit the planet they learned about in Darkling and got some beryllium. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's just not a lot. Otherwise, like if the if it if the thing about the Teresians had been true, maybe would there would have been more world building? Well, because there's had, some contact between the Delta Quadrant and Earth. If it had been true, Harry Kim would be one of them, and so that would mean something. Yep, but uh, it's not. So they're kind of lucky they got the one. Yeah. Uh, God, what do I have here? Hey, why wouldn't they be cataloging like? All the stars they pass. In the beginning, Chakotay is like, "Hey, make sure you catalog this star. This is a really good star. I want to remember it later to get a picture of it. I want to look at that star in a couple weeks, probably. Like, why aren't they cataloging everything? Shouldn't that be like? Isn't that what they're equipped for? Isn't this a science vessel of some kind? Like, shouldn't they be out there doing that anyway? Isn't that like this should have that on auto catalog? Uh, it's two very good questions." <sighs> Uh, the Nasari. Well, not we probably won't see them ever again. I never know. We've brought this up before. I never know how the shields work. Sometimes no damage is taken until the shields go down. Sometimes, like in this one, the ship is broken very badly before the shields even drop to 70%. Yeah. I don't understand what the shields do, how they work. Ah... Uh... They don't want you to, because they don't want to have their hands tied by it. I get that. I do get it. They're just like, listen, if we make, if we try to make this consistent, it's going to be just a big ass ache. It seems like it would be a simple rule to remember once you got it, though. 
Like, yeah. Okay, well then you you have Worf go. The shields are down, and then you can all start fucking exploding your consoles and shit. Anyway, uh, Tetrion traces can, but do not necessarily indicate a weapons buildup. Uh, that's when Harry Kim uses that as his defense. Why he knew yeah, that ship was gonna fire. Probably depends on whether they have Tetrion weapons equipped or like Polaron weapons. Sure, sure, sure. Or if their phasers are. What endeavor they're trying to get that day. That's right. Yeah, how much damage they have to deal in Tetrions, for sure. I gotta do 25,000. Uh, all right, good thing I saved them. All right, let me equip those. the bank. Uh, the Teresians probably not going to see them anymore either. They impregnate ladies all over the damn place, and then offspring are driven to return home. Nope, that was a lie. They just, they, uh, they just liars. <laughs> it's yeah, just, it's just a lie. Uh, more racial memory stuff. Um... The Nasari hate these dudes because they kidnap people and, I don't know, whatever. Uh, the Virilium Planet continuity, Rick of Flowers. Yeah, it's a one. Maybe this episode scored a whole bunch of points in characterization. Uh, highly likely, right? Almost I think so. Certainly. Uh, ben gave it a three. Said, Wang cannot keep it cool when the Teresians trot out the chicks. It's definitely true. Um, he says he feels like Harry's out of character when he doesn't go for the women right away. Oh, I don't know. They're not his holodeck water skiing instructor it's gonna or whatever. Bring up, it's going to bring up the same thing. <laughs> I was going to say his heart's still broken about that. That fucking hot. I'm just going to say hollow sailing instructor. I don't know if that's what it was. Um, windsurfing? What was it? I don't remember. Parasailing? Could have been parasailing. What is parasailing? When you you got like the parachute yeah. and it goes I've, up in uh, the air. I've opened it. I've opened a can of worms. Let's leave it. <laughs> Janeway is of course willing to sacrifice the whole Voyager crew to go fetch Cam. Yeah, I mean pretty typical. Um, so he gave it a three. I could only award it one point. Harry Kim must be impaired in some way because that was whack. <laughs> Harry just found out he's into bondage. He wishes he was TP. Schmollis doesn't even bother to warn Balana about her sore fucking ribs, just watches her try to get up and double over in pain. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty much the worst doctor. Yeah, he also doesn't bother to look into Harry Kim's past genetic scans because plot, so maybe he's not a very good doctor. That space Rogaine is working wonders for TP, though. His hairline's looking good. It's looking fit. That's it. That's a one. Uh, Harry Kim always had low self-esteem. <laughs> Good, it tracks then. Janeway, uh, again, is in a situation where she can't really punish anyone, even for wild insubordination. Yeah, she, like, gives a real mean face at him and tells him to go to his room. Yeah. Well, go to the doctor first. Tom Paris wants to be a good boy, he just can't. <laughs> I wish I was like you, Harry. I had written more, but it's actually only a, <laughs> only a two. <laughs> and there was no point in reading it. All right. Uh, well, got some quick ones. Uh, is this ship a redress of the Romulan scout ship just shot from below? Yes, it was. Okay. I cannot handle the Janeway mom conflation. It's not good, but it's going on. exactly what we thought. Uh, then I wrote, oh, dip, it's Baron's mercenary ship, too. 
Then I tried to figure out what was happening, and I wrote, if it turns out that they have been here and only he can remember because he had those chicken pox when he was nine, I'm going to be mad. But the answer was worse. It was worse than that. I thought we were doing a weird clues. Okay, so worse than that, but was it as bad as the time Tuvok had that memory of... uh, Try, the, of losing the, that girl over the cliff when he the was a kid. kid fall off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> that episode sucks. Voyager sucks. Hey, hey, we should stop doing this, right? Voyager, just let's, can we stop Voyager? Can we declare them instant losers uh, and not do any more of them? Unfortunately, Voyager runs till like week one. Yeah, they're in it almost to the end. Fuck. <laughs> <clears throat> oh no, two fuck. Did, uh, oh, oh man, these people got some big clon peas. Did yeah. Chuckles just say tachyon grid? I'm 90% sure it was a polar on grid five minutes ago <laughs> around this planet. They don't know. They don't have it right. Uh, don't get excited about the three wives, Harry. Even in the story they're telling you, you'll have to leave to take a baby somewhere across the galaxy. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even pay attention to what the story is. No, because that other guy keeps telling him it's so good and just to enjoy it. And uh, you didn't say anything, so I'm guessing you didn't catch Lita Alexander as one of the women with the sticks. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She's been a, an extra in Star Trek like nine times. Yeah, they never give her a speaking role for some reason. Babylon 5 gave her a whole character to yeah, float. Like, but, a uh, main, like a main type character. Star Trek never trusts her with that. That's weird. Sometimes they just need a redhead. That's right. Well, you know what? That's like being a left-handed reliever. You'll always have a job. I'm thinking redhead for this one. I know, I know just the gal. Gene, I know just the gal. <laughs> you love her. Her name's Patricia Tallman or something. She's uh, she's she willing to show the... her boobs if it'll get her the job, Gene. She was on Babylon 5. But don't she you ever look... trust her, Gene? She don't look too bad. She's a woman. I don't know what you want me to say. You know what women are like, Gene. Uh, I gave best actor to Torres telling Harry she liked his spots. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, she seemed very. Uh, he must have put her on some drugs because she seemed pretty chill when <laughs> she, she woke she, up. She was real chill. Yeah. Also, Harry Kim couldn't quite bring himself to explain how what happened. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I think he it was, apologized. I'm sorry. I think it's like, my ah, fault. Ah. <laughs> but he didn't say it's because I started a shooting war up there because I, uh, I, my brain is working so good. I don't know what's wrong with me. I've got deja vu all the time. I had a dream last night that my mom was Janeway, and you was my sister, and TP was my dad. Anyways. It was, it was weird. I'm uh, I'm going to go I'm gonna take a nap. Hope I don't have no more of them crazy dreams. <laughs> like, this is the accent I go to for every character on Voyager, specifically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then uh, for worst actor, uh, pick your succubus. Oh, none, none of them were good. I picked the blonde one, but yeah, they were all bad. Uh, the main, the main Auburn one, the main one that interacted with mm-hmm. Harry Kim, was probably the best of them in terms of acting, but none of them were. Yeah, they all sucked. Yeah, it's not, it's not amazing. Uh, let's see. I'm guessing Harry Kim isn't suffering from deja vu. Is what I had written here in the beginning. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's one of those episodes that's gonna make my stomach hurt because the character will be all confused and do embarrassing things. That only lasted in the first scene too. That's good. Uh, is this the 90s? Because, like, all those ladies coming over to rub up old HK gave me, like, real 60s vibes. <laughs> it really... If only they... Yeah, it really was very 60s-like. 
I had worst actor candidate Harry Kim. Deadpan. My mother. What did you do to her? <laughs> yep. Well, bro, what? That's your. That's your. That's you're gonna. You're gonna do it that way. Okay. All right. Hey. Uh, that's a pretty good take. Let's just use that one. Okay, Harry. But ima- okay, Garrett. But imagine if it was your actual mom. Oh, okay. You know, I got one for that. My mother. What? What did you do to her? That's the uh, one. No, uh, Harry. Harry. In this one, they uh, they violated her, buddy. My mother. They, uh, what they did you do? Her against her will. What did you do to my mother? No, I should say the mother part first. My mother. What did you do to her? Fucking horrible. Okay, that's a wrap. <laughs> uh, I'm from Minnesota, and I don't know what to do in this That's scenario. a wrap. <laughs> okay. Okay, then. Uh, this lady was familiar. She was Hanik in the one where they want those boys to go to Draylon 2. The main lady. The old lady. The older lady. Uh, got it. Yeah. Um, I hate Harry Kim's deep V. Oh, yeah. Although, I mean, is this crazy? I did think, man, could I pull off like a real long tunic and tight leggings? <laughs> Give it Look. a shot, bro. Like, you I just got to start doing it right and see what happens. We always talk about dressing like Ferengi, but let's try this instead. I mean, I could wear a quirk style short jacket made out of carpet material. Do it. <laughs> and uh, maybe... Uh, weird decorative plate that goes around the back of my head <laughs> uh, and attaches to i don't know just glue it on there i guess do it one of the days you have to go into the office then oh, just yeah. see that how would it goes. be the last day i have to go into the office for <laughs> sure right. well, that'll solve that problem like you know what he, he's good he's good at work he just let him work from home <laughs> that's right you don't need him to come in no more kind of a distraction uh, i already said the part about parkour um I feel bad. I mean, for- that's Timison's outfit too, right? Isn't it basically long tunic? And maybe his leggings aren't tight. Boy, when it, what season is that episode? Oh god, I hope it's soon. It must be. It can't be later than four. That's for sure the best Loxana Troy episode, right? Well, they give her like a real plot. <laughs> that's true. It's not just I'm horny. Uh, it's after we're done with TNG. <laughs> it's like. 10 weeks after TNG. Yeah, oh, I mean, after TOS? Yeah. yeah t- so, it's about, a, it's in the, it's gotta be in season four. Okay. Yeah. Th- I, oh, I, listen, unless there are two Locks on a Troy episodes at season three. I, I figure we've it, still got hers coming up. It has to be season four by the latest, because in season five, they start experimenting with Ensign Row and bringing her around, so. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Michelle Forbes is his daughter. Right. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad for this lady who has to do kisses on Garrett Wang. He looked like he wasn't better at acting sexy than any of the other emotions he fails to hit. Uh, this blonde, like I said, also a candidate for worst actor. All of her lines were delivered poorly. When he ties the first lady up, mm-hmm. and the second lady's like, this is some kind of trap. I was like, yep. <laughs> yep. It he is didn't a trap. act it well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a trap. He's <laughs> trapping you. Of course she could tell. <laughs> uh, I actually felt bad. For old RDM, TP, having to say lines like, anyone would be tempted. I've never seen so many beautiful women in my life. I, I, like, I like the ones with the tits. I want to I wanna touch the ones with the big tits. I want to grab them. My name's TP. Harry, I wish I was a good boy like you, but I just like the ones with the tits so much. 
Oh, man. Well, I mean, how embarrassing must it be to fucking act on that show when that's the shit they get you to say? Ugh. Anyway, that's it. That's all I had. It's really enough. <sighs> Third place last week mm. was TOS. Oh. This week we watched Spectre of the Gun. No! <laughs> Hey, the theme song really sounds like this season of episodes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're going to go on some zany adventures in space. Hey, guys, it's going to be real rinky-dink. There's going to be one dude in the back playing the bongos, and then... We're going to see some real alien paper mache heads this season. <laughs> uh, Enterprise, at Red Alert, approaches an unknown alien probe in deep space that's been maneuvering to intercept them. It announces that they have encroached on the space of the Melcott. It's Baylock, right? We don't have to do this one. It's Baylock, right? It orders them to turn back. Uh, everyone hears it in their native tongue, which on this ship turns out to be Vulcan, English, Russian, and Swahili. Yeah. yeah. And they recognize it immediately as telepathy. Mm. Uh, anyway, Kirk has standing orders, I guess, to make contact with the Melkotians. So even though the probe won't talk to them anymore, they ignore its warning and head head right on into the planet. Yeah. Kirk, Spock, Scotty, McCoy, and Chekhov beam down into a thick fog. None of their technology works, and the glowing eyes from the demon at Great America peer <laughs> out at them. Yep. The Melkotian announces that they will be punished for disobeying the warning buoy, and since the disobedience was on Kirk's orders, his will be the pattern for their death. You'd think these fuckers would know not to cross a warning buoy. <laughs> they just do it. Like I Kirk's mean, just even like, on their planet, it means death. With the Melkotians. On their planet, it means death. Why would it be different for the Melkotians? <laughs> That's unbelievable. It really is pretty wild. God. Uh, suddenly they find themselves holding revolvers in a bad movie set of the Old West, uh, yeah. but still on a red-skied planet hell. Yeah. So they talk for a minute about how crappy the recreation is, and then they read a newspaper, Tombstone, Arizona, October 26, 1881. Mm. Kirk can't quite place the date, uh, but then luckily the uh, disheveled town sheriff comes out and calls Kirk Ike. This Spock's Frank, etc. Kirk works it out. They are the Clanton gang, and it is the day they fight the Earps. Oof. They go into the saloon and exchange words with Morgan Earp, uh, who, being outnumbered, leaves. Chekhov has some makeouts. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Kirk and Spock try to work out how to avoid dying at OK Corral at 5 p.m. I was going to say somebody must have just read a book about the showdown at the OK Corral, but I think that means someone really just watched a movie about the showdown at the OK Corral. Uh, probably the one in which DeForest Kelly plays Morgan Earp. I think that could be you the think? one. I think it could be. I mean, it's p just a possibility. <laughs> um, <laughs> God. Uh, Kirk tries to convince the bar bartender he's not Ike Clanton. Then he goes and tries to talk to Wyatt Earp. Yep. Who tells him, get out of town by 5 p.m. So Kirk figures, why not? And tries to leave town, but there's some kind of force field. Mm -hmm. uh, Chekhov <laughs> says something about venomous snakes and cactus plants. So McCoy gets an idea. He's going to make a tranquilizer so they can knock the herbs out. 
It's going to use his uh, science. Spock's going to turn it into a gas grenade. McCoy goes and gets chemicals. Turns out he's getting them from Doc Holliday. It's more threats. But he still gets Check. them, I guess, right? He does. He gives them to him because he says, I'm going to kill you in two hours anyway. <laughs> Take my whole doctor's bag. <sighs> he's going to kill him dead with this very gun. Holds up a shotgun. Oh, nice. Okay. Um. <sighs> Chekhov has a scene with his girlfriend. They talk about the upcoming dance. She doesn't care that he's a thief and a cattle rustler and whatever. She wants to marry him. Uh, Morgan Earp Morgan Ur- punches him in the face and then tries to leave. And when Chekhov protests, he shoots him dead. Mm. Uh, Kirk stops Scotty from fighting back. Uh, Spock points out that Chekhov's character, Billy Claiborne, survived the OK Corral. Yeah. Meaning... That's when it's time for him to put together. They thought about it. Yeah, they're not locked into the historical record. It's not even Uh, that they hadn't thought about it. They specifically say over and over again that you can't change the past. Right. Even though they are standing again on a red world (laughs) that they have been told is their execution. Yep. They do seem to believe that they are in the past. And this is where Spock puts together his usual wild hypothesis ah they'll get there so they build this tranquilizer (laughs) just just moving ahead a little bit Mm. they build this tranquilizer they test it on scotty nothing happens uh suddenly it's 5 p.m and they're at the okay corral and spock finishes the thought that he was having which Mm -hmm. is none of this is real and as long as they believe none of it's real (laughs) then the bullets won't kill them that's right McCoy and Scotty don't believe that they can reach that level of certainty. So Spock just mind melds everyone. It's a real band-aid. <laughs> Although, uh, I don't know if it's better or worse than when Cisco says about that shared hallucination they're having in season one. Ah, guys, don't worry about it. This is just a hallucination. We're all hallucinating. And they all go, okay. All right, you got it. You're you got boss. it, boss. <laughs> Do you think you could work a little harder? No, yeah, you got it, boss. Uh, the Earps and Doc Holliday approach... Uh, and they fire and fire and fire, but the away team is unharmed. Then Kirk drop kicks Wyatt Earp and holds him at gunpoint. But then he throws down his weapon because he won't kill. He won't. He says it a lot. And then suddenly they're back on the bridge scanning Chekhov and he's fine. Yep. And Kirk theorizes that he was too focused on the girl to be worried about the bullets. So that's why he survived because he was just too horny to kill. Yeah, but like, I mean, he laid there like he was dead. Yeah. It's weird. The uh, Melcott probe starts emitting radiation and explodes, and then the voice sounds again and asks Kirk why he didn't kill, and he explains that he's on a mission of peace, and then they're welcomed to the planet. Their mission mm. is a success. Uh, and then Spock asks Kirk, hey, did you really want to kill Wyatt Earp earlier? And Kirk says, well, yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> That's what matters. And, I mean, uh, in one way, it's the power of thought that matters, and in another way, who cares what you're thinking about? Yeah, you know? You can have it both ways. Can I change my take? I don't see why not. I'm about to <laughs> okay. ask you for it because that's the end of the episode. Matt, what's this episode about? Because I feel like I want to change my take to you can have it both ways. Uh, you can have it, but only if you sing it uh, in the style of Fleetwood Mac. You can have it both ways. I was shaking a lot when I sang it. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> I had it as something like fears the enemy yet again or something about the power of thought. You know, about how, but it's really powerful. It's just stupid fucking thoughts. 
Uh, I'm getting tired of this because, like, what am I even <laughs> supposed to do with it? We've talked about this. What do you want, Gene? You want me to walk into traffic? Fucking take a flying leap off a building because anything is possible? I can literally fly? Is that what you're saying, Gene? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what the message is because this keeps coming back. Uh, no, you're Jordan Peele after that basketball. <laughs> you can literally fly! <laughs> Go up onto your roof and jump off because you can fly! Favorite part is the press conference after where he says, I now understand that... Uh, while what I said literally, <laughs> while what I said was technically correct, <laughs> I may have uh, not understood the full meaning of the term literally. But I love how he says that. Well, <laughs> my words were technically correct. <laughs> yes, it's a very good bad basketball apology. Yeah. Uh, I want to give it fewer points than i normally do but i'll give it the standard four for whatever this is about the power of thought or fear being the enemy or whatever but i'm getting sick of it i can't i mean what do you what does he want what would he like for us to do based on that information i don't know uh ben said we must overcome our instinct to violence to survive Hmm. a standard 60s trope okay and uh i am working in the same space okay Ben was a three, by the way. The past was violent in a way that the future won't be. Oh. I guess. So, I mean, the whole time Kirk is there, he is trying to avoid this fight. Yes. In fact, he looks like a real fucking wiener the whole time. And if you ignore the one moment where he suddenly has a rage stroke and (laughs) throws a flying jump kick at Wyatt Earp. (laughs) Yeah. After it's been demonstrated that Earp can't hurt him. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly consistent and at the end he talks about how you know they've overcome their instinct for violence or whatever mm. uh, it's a classic optimistic Star Trek take that yeah. the horrors of the past can be overcome there's no explanation at all for how we're supposed to get there that's right <laughs> we just will but I am still inclined to give them points for it okay I have it as a 7 whoa alright well, that's how it goes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Exomocution, uh, Ben gave it a five. It says, already better than Enterprise since it's uh, a non-serious clapboard set piece. So, yes, that's... It is better than... So, he's talking about the Old West episode from last week, right? Yes. Yeah. Which they um, shot on the back lot, which was too expensive for Star Trek Season 3. <laughs> It was actually cheaper to do this set than to go to an existing Old West set. Well, as we talked about, at this point, Gene was literally funneling all of the funneling all the funds directly into his own bank account. Yep, he was just embezzling. Gene, why do you need another car? <laughs> we to gotta drive. get it while the getting's good, guys. Uh, uh, you don't know how this game is played. <laughs> Spock says history cannot be changed. Uh, that goes against most other Star Trek premises. Uh, Kirk acts reasonably in a crazy situation. And then silly as it was, there seemed to be real stakes when our favorite token Russian was killed. He's not my favorite. Yeah, he's not. It turns out on this watch, you know, this run you know who, through. You know who I like better? J.J. Uh, Abrams, Chekhov. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, showdown's a little stupid. If the bullets aren't real, then the dudes aren't real. So why do a flying double kick into Herb? So. Well, <laughs> it's a real good question. <laughs> anyway, he gave it a five. 
I think, again, mostly comparing it to last week's Enterprise, which was a dumb Old West thing as well. Well, hold on to your butt, because I also gave it a five. Oh, look at you guys. Okay. Um, I thought the eerie half-built set uh, worked. Okay. Like, I thought it ended up making the whole thing very eerie and weird, that it's like, even when they're in the building, there are no walls. Yeah. Since it's not supposed to actually be in the Old West, although they seem to forget that. Yep, yep, immediately. Uh, is Chekhov a moron or unnaturally horny? Oh, you're thinking maybe it's like a glandular thing? Yeah, I can't <laughs> believe anyone in this situation would get so caught up in this dumb romance. But he does the instant that lady comes up and is clearly into him. He's just like, fuck the rest of this episode, I'm busy. Yeah. He's like, well, you're a seven, let's go. That's right. You're not fat like that time I was afraid. <laughs> Of the fat lady. Yep. And was that that's the all one? I need. All I need to know. Was that the one where the the different colored brains were making them do stuff? Yeah, where they were wagering quatloos on. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> DOS. 2,000 quatloos on the newcomer. <laughs> I will bet 3,000. You know, I guess the theme song's probably always been appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if Kirk is supposed to repudiate violence in a way that impresses the Melkotians, his dumb dropkick fistfight combo seems like a bad start. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, I think this is actually a better episode than North Star. All right. Okay. So this is what we are doing. Okay. I mean, it's hard. They, they because they deliberately were, the, the director was deliberately doing an homage to this episode. Ah, uh, so aggravating. Well, if you're going to pick one, this is the one, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. This is the one to do your art for. Uh, what did you score it on execution? Mm, I disagreed with you guys a little bit. I had it at a two. I see. I have, is this better or worse as an Old West setup than last week's Enterprise? I can't decide. They're both so flimsy and obvious. And the solution is dumb, too. These Melkotians suck, right? Like, they set up a real dumb fantasy world where you can only be harmed if you believe you can be. According to Spock. I mean, they, once they stop believing... I guess it's true. Maybe they were just not going to be harmed ever. Maybe yeah. it was just to see if they could kill. Um, it's another episode that will not warrant the amount of discussion we're going to give it. I mean, we're kind of blazing through it, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's just like someone had an Old West fantasy. Good Lord. Um, world building, I gave it a two. This alien can speak over comms in a way that everybody hears it in their native language. But I, then again, they recognize that it is telepathy. Uh, Chekhov and Uhura, I guess, didn't grow up speaking English. So this is a probably a Universal Translator related thing. Yeah, or they learned English as a second language, which would explain, I guess, Chekhov's accent. Yeah. Doesn't explain why Uhura doesn't have one, but, but she's a communications it... officer, so maybe she's just much better at languages than Chekhov. Yeah, but it's like, if you could have a universal translator, why bother learning any languages, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's a, maybe at this point in uh, Star Trek technology, it's on starships, but regular people don't have them. Ah. Uh. Oh, uh, boy. Oh, also, it tells you that English became the dominant world language. Yes. Which we kind of guessed from French being an obsolete language. Yes, an obscure Earth language. Yeah. Mm. Kirk focuses on the material his clothes are made of when pointing out he's from space. I wonder what they are made of. 
something that does not appear the right color on screen because remember that yes. they are green remember his uniform is green yes. same color as his wraparound uh that starfleet judo shit still works in the old west uh mind melding to mind melding to give the crew some fucking chill discipline uh yep. is apparently a thing that they're doing now yeah it was a two for me uh, I got most of the same points. Everyone on Earth still has a native tongue, and then they all learn English. Uh, Federation orders to make contact seem to include ignoring a clear message that the contact <laughs> is unwanted. That's yes. not good. No. They're like, please leave us alone. We don't care. Go away. And then I guess one thing that's nice is not everyone here knows the hi- all the history of the Old West. Yeah, but the bad thing is Spock does. Spock does. Of course. <laughs> Why not? Yep. Why wouldn't he know? Of course he does. Uh, he's a real electric brain, that Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, I also gave it a two. Uh, Ben's a three, but it's all the same same ideas. Yeah. And then on characterization, he gave it a five. He says, uh, Scott is taking to bourbon nicely. He's a real drunk in this episode. Yeah, he doesn't seem all that worried about the situation they're in honestly no his main focus seems to be drinking old west whiskeys spock compliments mccoy on his ingenuity and mccoy does a little face acting to let us know he appreciates it but wouldn't tell spock kirk lets his rage out but eventually lets his devotion to law and order break through so it was a five for for ben i'm uh a little less generous with my assessment uh chekhov is obviously a problem this week as he is every time he goes on an away mission. But no one seems to remember that this is all meant to be an execution. Yeah. They act like this is real, like they're really in the Old West for 40 out of the 42 minutes that they're on this planet. And just one big puzzle to solve. Yep. Never seeming to comprehend that maybe you're not supposed to solve it, you're supposed to die. Because right. the guy told you it's your execution. It's a weird form of execution for sure, but you're making contact with these people. You don't know shit about them and they're telepathic. Maybe this is how they do it. Maybe they just like, they think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> Make Kirk them die in a few hours at the hands of some old West dudes. Exactly. Uh, Kirk doing dropkick sucks. Scotty yeah. is a problem drinker. Spock finally figures out that nothing unreal exists, but like it's a poor showing across the board. Mm-hmm. I give it three. I agreed. I gave it three. Sometimes Kirk tries to be more formal on the bridge and call Spock science officer. It always feels weird and maybe racist. <laughs> I don't know quite I, what how to take it. I get the feeling he does that when he's trying to cajole Spock into giving him something more helpful. Yes. Like he's reminding him what his fucking job is or something. But he's like... Hey, up here, you're not just my buddy. <laughs> yeah, science officer? Why don't hey, you I tell me what this thing is? And don't tell me you don't know. I hate it. You know I hate it when you do that. Uh, Kirk really does not want to kill these fucking herps. Nope. I mean, he has this fucking meltdown talking about how he won't kill. I do kind of like how they all know they're not going to win a gunfight with revolvers. It's true. I, don't you get the feeling that Archer would be like, so we shoot him. We'll and just then have be to like, take him oh, out. buddy, I don't know. I don't know about this. I or, mean, like, uh, or like, you know, in uh, the dumb Robin Hood episode where... Yeah. 
they do Robin Hood fights. Oh yeah, they're totally cool with farting archery and sword fighting. Suddenly, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. is it. This is the one. Uh, yeah, or it, even in the other Old West one where uh, Troy and Worf seem like if it wasn't Data they were fighting, they'd be totally fine shooting at people. And stuff. this is a very good point. Worf would have wiped out those regular people if they didn't have Data's amazing speed. Worf is totally trained with a revolver. It's cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're right. That's um. That's not bad. Um. Scotty is like every engineer that I work with. <laughs> okay. Cra- crazy sensitive and defensive. <laughs> he always gets so butthurt whenever anybody asks him a fucking question. Like, as if they are accusing him of doing bad work or that the ship's not good or whatever. But it's like, nah, bro, it's just a question. Also, not at all worried about the coming gunfight just here to drink. Parts of this show were way too comedic to like take any of the rest of it seriously. Um, Spock is an Earth history expert, like everybody. He knows a shit ton about the Old West. He also knows way more slang than Data. Um, some Vulcan T-Pole-style absolutism about how history cannot be changed. Every episode... (laughs) Every episode we have to do this song and dance about Spock seeming cold, but really caring more than anybody. Yep. So that's getting dumb because, like, the senior staff should probably realize it by now. <laughs> at least, at least by now, McCoy should, right? Because Spock's always got a fucking comeback. He just keeps getting burned on this. <laughs> that's right. Really, you should you should start to say it and go, "Oh, never mind. I was I was thinking about something else." Uh, Come on, Spock. Oh, no, you know what? I, uh, I, I, uh, this hasn't I was, gone well for me. I stepped I stepped on a cactus. Is all. <laughs> um, I think you mean a cactus plant. A cactus plant, right? Uh, now Spock just calls Scotty Engineer, so I guess that's going around this week. And Chekhov is an insubordinate moron. He, like, was, won't do anything Kirk says in this episode, because he wants to put, hang out with his girlfriend or whatever. I don't understand why Kirk just doesn't give him one of those junior yeomen that they're always handing out. <laughs> it's true, they do hand him out like candy. Like, Yeoman Rand was basically prostituting that other yeoman over to, uh, Charlie X. Oh, that's true. I didn't understand that episode. She's she's too young. She's not she's not like Janice. Why won't you look at my legs? I always try uh, to look at my legs. No. Hey, by the way, you gave that one twenty one points. <laughs> oh, did I? Yeah. Do you regret it? How do you feel about that? Which episode, Charlie X or whatever Charlie one X. that was? Okay, that was episode two. So not. Um, I think that other speech is from Miri. Oh. Uh, oh. Why won't you look at my legs? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking about Charlie X. Um, yeah, that was it. That's it. The three for me. Did, um, in the beginning, did that buoy whip around in a huge fucking arc to stay in front of him? Because that's what it seemed like on the view screen. Uh, yeah, it was definitely doing like a Q thing in, from Encounter at Farpoint. Right. And then I was like, did they skip the beam down to save money? Because they just cut to them on the planet. God, how much money could it cost? They they don't know how to do that effect by now. I mean, I'm sure they do, but it probably still cost them $1,000 a pop or something, right? Uh, They've got to yeah. composite those images. You're right. He, he needed to get on some. On film. Gene needed to get some new tires or whatever. <laughs> That's right. But then I thought maybe they were never on the planet at all. Like, it turns out, when they just appear back on the bridge, and they're still in front of that buoy, I was like, maybe they never even went to the planet. 
Oh, maybe they've just been spaced out on the bridge or it all happened in a moment. Right, it was all telepathied up there. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, basically it was... Uh, what's the... It's the fucking one where Picard plays the flute. You know what I'm talking about. Um, you know the 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 other episode that everybody loves. Yeah, I know the one. The one where he gets the probe. The probe does the thing to him, and then he it lives a, a lifetime. Whole life, uh, Why can't I remember that? In 20 minutes up there, while it, Crusher's working on his brain, it's the famous one. Mm, it's called. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing it this way. I'm just going down through all the episodes. <laughs> This is not the good way to do it. This is a famous one. It is called. It is called. Jesus. The Inner Light. The Inner Light. The Inner Light. That's right. Whew. Uh, maybe they're doing an Inner Light. Could be. Of course, Spock prides himself on his knowledge of American history. <laughs> Your own George then, Washington, he said at one point, I think. And then I just started to get more and more frustrated. And so I wrote, has Kirk forgotten at this point that this is supposed to be an execution? Mm. Oh, God, why are they acting like this is history? They do they know they didn't go back in time, <laughs> and then I was surprised that Kirk also needed the mind meld treatment because usually he's pretty sure of these little Spock insights. And he seemed all in when Spock said it. Maybe it was a yeah. just in case situation. I feel like it might have been. Yeah, I gave uh, best actor to they forget I'm half human Spock, mm. and worst actor to Chekhov. But I, uh, Matt, I do want to play a clip for you here. Oh yeah, okay, go for it. And then when I play this clip, I want you to tell me why I played it. Most eagerly. You will be absolutely wild when you see me in the new gown I'm going to make. I found this most scrumptious material. Is that is that some DS9 music? Do you want to hear it one more time? Okay. Most eagerly. You will be absolutely wild when you see me in the new gown I'm going to make. I found this most scrumptious material. And now for comparison. Yeah. <laughs> right here. Yeah. It's one note different. Yeah, definitely. From, the, from that piece of the DS9 theme. When you played it, I immediately went, that's some DS9 shit right there. Uh, now, I pulled that way up in the mix. I compressed the hell out of that clip. Right. Because it was it was pretty quiet. But uh when I heard that, I just like could not pay attention to the episode. I had to go back <laughs> and listen to it like five times. I did not hear that on first run through. Uh it's as from always this very sh- dumb Chekhov scene where they're talking about the dance and the wedding. And I'm sure that's why I was definitely spaced out. <laughs> I was definitely just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. yeah, I knew when I played it for you you'd get it. Uh yeah, I think that must be a coincidence. The rest uh, of the music doesn't sound like the DS9 theme, and it's like six intervals that are the same. It must be a coincidence, but, okay, I, but it's a pretty I, wild one. I have something else for you to check it against later, because I know um, you might actually do this. You should check it against the stupid music that the guy is, pl- the Bajoran guy is playing <laughs> in the bar. Remember the famous, and that's, God, is that the same episode? That's the same Draylon 2 episode. I that guy is. plays some music where I was like, is this just like an alternate DS9 theme? Because it's really close. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, Trouble with Angels, where when they turn on the radio, it's just an upbeat <laughs> version of the yeah. Trouble with Angels theme. But You should yes. check it against that, dude. It might be the exact uh, same fucking It's song. not the Trouble with Angels theme. No, not that one. Don't check it oh, against yeah, that. Okay. I, no. Maybe I will go back, 
Check it against Step Ashore. Fuck my Netflix shit entirely up and go back (laughs) and watch that episode again. Do you want to watch the one with Tosk? You're gonna be like, no, this this isn't right. (laughs) I certainly don't. (laughs) Uh, Um, Yeah, I wanted to play that for you, but you probably have some quick. Well, did Ben have any? Let's Uh, see. Oh, uh, Scott taking a slug of of bourbon right before Spock administers the painless knockout concoction to kill the pain. Right? Yeah, problem drinker. Uh, I heard that God voice coming from that floating ice sculpture in space, and I just went, here we go again. Yeah. Here we go. We're doing another one, just like when uh, we talked about it last week, when you get you give up a single in the eighth inning of a game at Arlington the, at the Texas Rangers, and you just go, oh, here we go. I'm sure you enjoyed seeing that paper mache head with glowing <laughs> eyes yeah, painted I, red I, and yellow, too. I have written here some kind of paper mache monster. Um... For some reason, McCoy is like, this all seems so unreal, but holding this gun reminds me that it's not a dream. But why? <laughs> why would the gun seem real, but the saloon and all the other stuff seems fake? I could, that could just be a prop gun. Because uh, it doesn't have walls. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, the guns could just be fake anyway. Well, and McCoy wouldn't know. Yeah, like, I don't understand. Only Sulu would know. That's right. <laughs> Uh, James T. Kirk of the Spaceship Enterprise. Weird to hear it said like that. Yep. Um, and Spock's plan in the end has some real tits-up potential. <laughs> they might just stand there and get shot. Yeah. Although, I guess... I guess if he's wrong and the knockout gas didn't work because the Melkotians were preventing it from working... Yeah. Or because, you know, it's an execution... Yeah. Then, uh... Ain't gonna matter. gonna get killed either way. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's just like, let's just stand here and maybe the bullets won't hit us if we believe it. It's like, okay. It is, it's a big gamble. Okay, I mean, alright, I'm willing to give it a shot. Uh, that's it. Time to move on. Yeah. Um, in second place last week was The Next Generation. This week we watched A Matter of Perspective. Ben's pick of the week. Nice job on that. Um, Picard and Data have some fun with painting. And then they go pick up Riker and Geordi from their visit to a science station run by Dr. Apgar, an expert in the theories behind the creation of Krieger waves, which everyone already knows it's a big deal. They don't really explain to us why it's such a big deal. Um, it's the- got a whole name, and it's not Apgar's name. That's right. He's not making Apgar waves. He's specifically not making Apgar waves. He's doing something real. Though he makes some waves in this one. The station blows up just as they attempt to transport Riker back to the ship. Although he makes it back, the doctor's widow soon accuses him of murdering her husband over a romantic entanglement and authorities from the planet Tanaga 4 come to take him away. I assume there was her testimony that made that guy come, right? Uh, you know, it might have. It could have been Tana also. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, the assistant. Uh, Picard convinces them that a trial can be held aboard the station using holographic technology to aid in each witness's testimony so that Riker doesn't have to go down to the planet. Uh, Picard convinces... Sorry. Picard has to decide whether to allow Riker to be extradited to the planet. Mm-hmm. And he offers the holodeck to help him investigate. Yes, because it is the Starfleet captain's fucking <laughs> unbelievable privilege of deciding whether or not his crew can be extradited um 
uh, Riker claims the doctor's wife was all over him the whole time. She claims he tried to rape her and killed her husband out of jealousy or something. The doctor's assistant claims Riker and the doctor's wife were in cahoots. And Jordy, I think, just wants to stay out of it. Meanwhile, despite the science station exploding in the teaser of this episode, Enterprise continues to be affected by apparent Krieger waves. Wesley, Jordy, and Data investigate and eventually determine that the Krieger waves are being created by the holographic version of the science station and the planet-side generator, meaning the Doctor had already been successful in creating the waves. The Doctor had claimed that he had failed to create the Krieger waves to this point. He must have been planning on selling the technology to somebody other than Starfleet, based on everyone's testimony about the great rewards that his research were, was going to bring. Uh, he tried to murder Riker, both because of the wife stuff, I guess, and because he feared what Riker's report would say to Starfleet. But when he tried to zap him with a Krieger wave, it bounced off the transporter beam and blew up the station. Everyone's very satisfied with this explanation. Yep. Uh, so, it is true. When the, when the space... when the, the Recreation blows up and they're all in the empty holodeck. Craig and uh, Manua, mm-hmm. Apgar's wife, do give each other a little look and then they're like, yeah, we're done. We're <laughs> yeah. done here. <laughs> I think so it's, it's, it's very clear that at least Manua and probably Craig also both immediately believe, oh yeah, Apgar did try to kill him. <laughs> yeah, I think he <laughs> looked at her. seemed a little ashamed. He looked at her for confirmation that that is exactly the kind of thing that guy would do. And she <laughs> and went, that she tracks. Said, yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly what he would do. She's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Um, maybe they had had a previous conversation and she's like, so how much money can we get out of Starfleet? And he's like, but they don't got money. And then she went, oh, well, then I don't really care. This whole thing ain't about money. I'm (laughs) going to be the 18th most famous guy in the field of Krieger waves. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, like, she probably thought originally she could maybe sue and get some money from Starfleet. But then, like, once the guy's like, they don't have an economy, then she's like, oh, then I don't care what happens in this trial. Like, honestly, we can just go home. It doesn't matter. He's dead either way. Yeah, he's gone. It doesn't matter. Uh, hey, I was I skipped through it, but what what is this fucking episode about? Yeah, uh, we all perceive and interpret events differently. Mm. And in fact, none of us perceives things exactly as they are. Oh. A.K.A. Space Rashomon? Yes, that's exactly what happened in this very bad episode. <laughs> but the episode also suggests that with technology, we can eventually determine the actual truth of events. Hmm. And it also doesn't show us any techniques or strategies that humans may have taken between now and then to overcome this problem of subjective interpretations? No. So there's nothing much here that isn't already in Rashomon. <laughs> right. <laughs> A much better piece of film. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Also, I just want to point out that the painting scene at the beginning is a pretty explicit metaphor. Everyone's looking at the same thing and interpreting it differently. Great. Okay. So they tried to do, uh, they did, again, f- filmmaking 101 for assholes or whatever, whatever that class was. That's right. Yeah, it's the Hollywood, it's the Hollywood school for screenwriting for assholes or whatever. I'm only giving it a four, and here's why. Okay. This is probably the 50th Rashomon already. Yeah, Rashomon these... came out in 1950. <laughs> yeah, and a lot happened before TNG, and we've already seen a lot in this project. Right. So... There's no no ground is broken here. Nothing new is said about this idea. In fact, uh, uh, I'll talk about when we swing to execution. This is about a medium grade Rashomon. Oh, okay. Well, that's not so bad. And we'll talk. Yeah, it's not it's not the worst of the worst. That would be in like a like when a house or a bones or something does a Rashomon episode but what about the individual acting performances in this would those be the worst acting performances ever in a Rashomon 
Some are good and some are bad, and we'll <laughs> okay. talk about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, because, well, well, yeah, again, we'll get into it. Um, ben has it as a seven. He said it was his pick of the week. Yeah. He says uh, humans have crazy-ass perspectives that color their experiences, and only science can give you the right answer. Hmm. Uh, easily identified and is a good Trek take. Okay. Um, I was definitely playing in the same space, and mine wasn't as um, cut and dry as his. Mine was less of a, a real statement. I'm just going to take his, because it's better. <laughs> okay. It's the same thing, but it's better. <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to say, uh, give it a five. Okay. I feel like it's fine. Because um, I had something about the truth being in the eye of the beholder or unreliability of memory. Whatever. Because I found it to be less about things and more a cool mystery Rashomon show but yes and I think that's the again maybe that's what the episode is about and it is called a matter of perspective Mm -hmm. but on the other hand maybe they're just borrowing that maybe that just comes for free with the Rashomon format sure yeah Uh, on execution Ben also enjoyed it he gave it a six Mm mm-hmm he said, they don't really give any of Riker's internal state throughout this. It's true. Part of me wondered if he was directing this. Because we don't <laughs> spend, like, a ton of time with him feeling his feelings or, like, having a drink in tin forward and being like, what's going on here? It's There's just, like, the one scene where he's like, but you believe me, right, Troy? And she's like, meh. And that's, like, as close as we get to, like, him really coming to grips with anything. Uh, except for all of the scenes where he's on the bridge. Oh, and they're, they're leaving him out of stuff. And he's being left out of stuff, or uh, Kirk and Craig. I don't Not, know if you said Craig. I didn't go, say Craig. The investigator's name is Craig, but you just said Kirk and Craig. You mean Picard and Craig. Uh, Picard and Craig yeah. go into the ready room, and Riker's left on the bridge, and everyone's looking at him. <laughs> and it's like, from way up back behind the tactical console, looking down into the middle of the bridge, and he's just standing there getting stared at. Anyway. It's it's so cool how much shit just happens open on the bridge, by the way. Uh-huh. Nothing ever happens in secrecy. On the uh, when Picard calls Data in yeah. to uh, to help uh, Craig program the holodeck, <laughs> and, and Riker fucking peers around <laughs> the corner, <laughs> and he's got That's such a hurt look on his face. I found that to be a very good scene. There's a, there's a lot... Um, the Frakes's that are in the recreations are very bad. Yeah. And I think that's probably intentional. Hope so. Uh, Frakes, in all of the wraparound material, super good in this episode. Okay. He fucking knocks it out of the park. All right. Um, to finish Ben's execution, uh, he says a nice sciencey explanation for everything, uh, even though the eyewitness accounts are totally different. Interesting that they clear Riker of being a murderer, but don't exactly clear him of being an asshole or even potential rapist. Yeah, they don't really explore that part. Yep. I like that they don't 100% totally resolve what the true narrative events is, though the holodeck, or through the holodeck, but instead simply prove a point here and, um, here and there to make the case, so. Um... I had it as somewhat less than a six. I said, I've always enjoyed this one for campy acting reasons. And I found nothing else to love about it. It sounds like you did better with it than I did. Finding some stuff to appreciate. I was just like, yeah, I remember that when he's like, you're a dead man, Epcar. A dead man. 
Sure, but that's not him. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But I was like, I didn't really, I didn't really find anything else in here. Uh, for me, it's a three. Okay. Uh, so let me say this, and this is something that Ben talked about too. And this was going to be my complaint. Most of the time when you see a Rashomon, so at the end of Rashomon, you don't know what the truth was. Right. And the idea is that maybe there's no way to ever know the objective truth, like, because everyone has a perspective and everyone's version of events is colored and shows them in the best light. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when you see a Rashomon, that all gets subverted because the last version you see is the truth. Right. Like, it just because they want to wrap it up because it's TV. Like in the movie Hero or whatever. I guess that was more about a bunch of lies that he told every time we, re- we experienced the... Yeah. Story. Yeah, but you know, when you watch whichever, uh, there's probably one Law and Order Rashomon a year, right? Sure. And those always do this. And this one sort of does. But only as regards the murder. Yeah, I was going to say, you get the explanation for how the station blew up. Right. And they don't even really attempt to touch the other stuff. Riker's bad behavior is left up in the air. Yeah. So that's not only that. That's the, what the a, doctor's true motivations are kind of left up in the air. Like, what was he going to do with the Krieger technology? Yeah, exactly. Well, what was like, going just on there? Picard, just because Picard says the Romulans are the Ferengi doesn't mean that that was what was going to happen. Yeah. Um. So this is why I say it's a medium good Rashomon. Okay. Because this this still posits that maybe you can find out the truth. Like they found out enough to get rid of this investigation and now they're leaving, but probably if they stuck around and dug into it, they could figure out what he was really trying to do. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if they could ever really figure out whether Riker was trying to force himself on that lady. Right. That's a tough his, one. And, that, and that's kind of the bad part of this episode is uh, that his bad behavior is left up in the air. Yeah. No one says anything to him the whole time about it. They don't, no one seems to believe he's a rapist, but on the totality of the three accounts, it, it seems like he wasn't behaving 100% professionally it, down there. It's weird to do something worse than Enterprise did it. Do you remember how they wouldn't let Trip go on any hol- uh, away missions? <laughs> yes. Do you remember how t threw in his face like seven times that he got pregnant? Yes. Like, somehow Riker always gets away with it. Yeah, and it's like... Uh, it's just so wild, um, and it's because, like, we know. We know that Riker is not professional around women. <laughs> yeah, we do. Like, maybe they bring a bunch of refugees on board. And he's just, he sees one that he likes, and he just goes after her in front of everyone. And, yeah, and he goes down to their uh, weird barnyard mm. in the cargo bay, mm-hmm. and he just hits on one shamelessly and then takes her on a tour of the ship and fucks her. And the captain smiles the whole time. Yeah, and everyone's real happy. Or, like, maybe... You know, the queen of a whole planet comes on board and he starts really shamelessly hitting on one of her servants Yeah. to the point where she has to call that servant back over to, you know, rescue her. Oh, and then he kills her later. <laughs> and he kills her for sure. Yeah, or uh, maybe he fucks uh, maybe he fucks the leader of a whole planet uh, in ceremonial dress. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Anyway, they're going to warp out of here, and as far as we know, no one will have learned anything from this misadventure. <laughs> yep. Right? Yes. I mean, these are sort of the general themes that I did not like about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but having said that, I thought there were a lot of good acting touches here, and I thought this was probably the best holodeck episode in the whole run. Mm, yeah, there aren't a lot of good ones for sure. They're all pretty bad, right? Yeah. Uh, I also gave it six. 
Wow, okay. All right. That's interesting. Uh, world building. Ben's a three. He says, new dress for Troy. Uh, it's fun sci-fi to recreate a crime scene from oral testimony, but it is giving the illusion of precision where none exists. It'd never be allowed in a real space court. It's not even a court. Yeah, this is, this is just Picard yeah. informally deciding whether to send Riker down there. But yes, you're right. Absolutely. Well, I'll hear this evidence and weigh <laughs> yeah. it appropriately. And then he's high powered Krieger waves uh, and Krieger waves is it for me. Uh, There are some Federation extradition procedures, I guess, but they don't make any sense and they're not explored at all. That is agreed. Like, this is a planet where the presumption of innocence does not hold. Hmm. And somehow there's some treaty that says that Federation officers are bound by their laws, like that they would turn them over. Yeah. To a planet where there is no presumption of innocence. It just seems wild. Yeah, well, except that the captain gets to decide whether or not to extradite. He does. Right. <laughs> so. uh, I gave it I gave it a one for world building. Yeah, there's not much. It's Dicocilium. It's a, and by the way, it's kind of a generous one. <laughs> yeah. Dicocilium, Krieger waves, Lambda field generators, jargon. Um, captain gets to decide whether his crew can be extradited to this dang planet for trial. No chance of the captain having a vested interest in that decision. That tracks... Uh, Krieger waves need two generators at least 5,000 kilometers apart in order to be generated. They also put a hole in solid geranium. Is the planet or anything else in the system getting zapped every five hours or just Enterprise? Just fucking everything because it turns out that they're in different places in orbit every time. Yeah. So just the whole fucking planet is getting bathed in lambda radiation. (laughs) Since they started that holodeck recreation and just left it running like weirdos, it's just been zapping everyone in the fucking solar system? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if these dudes live uh, underground or what the deal is. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're mole people, for sure. But this is a featureless blue planet. Yeah. Like, the graphics do not depict a city anywhere on this planet. No, we don't even get so the Angel One matte painting or anything. We get nothing. Nah, there's not. We never go down to the planet. This is a real bottle episode. They They built one set. This said filler written all over it. And they built one set, and then they reused footage of Regula 1 from Star Trek 2. Uh-huh. And then, uh, which they, I mean, they reuse that a lot. I think we have to assume that's a standard Starbase. Yes. In, uh, so we're going to prefab Starbase. Right. Uh, yeah, this is a real bottle episode. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, again, they just, they're like, hey, you know what's always cheap to shoot? It's fucking Rashomon's. Because you just, <laughs> you just do the you same shoot. thing over and it's over four, again. the same thing four times. It's real easy. <laughs> Super easy. Uh... Yeah, it's a one. I, I was thinking how I could how it could earn two. I don't think it can. Uh, well, well, how how do you like it for characterization? Because Ben liked it five. Yeah, Picard uh, paints and fancies himself rather good. He says, uh, fancies himself rather good. He says, um, after the station explodes, Riker looks back at the transporter like he can see into space through it <laughs> at the Vanish <laughs> Space Station. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, yes. Uh, <laughs> he does look back over his shoulder, like, what, over there? What happened back there? That one? What are you looking at, sir? That one over there. That, is that the one that blew up? What happened? What are you guys talking about? Did something happen? Um, Troy seems like uh, just a foil for the conversations with Picard. Riker uh, doesn't come off that well, despite being acquitted, right? Much like real life. It doesn't sound like it should have earned five, but it earned five. Um, <laughs> it doesn't sound like a five to me either. 
Why does Data not know anything, but he suddenly has a fucking art critic app installed in his brain? <laughs> he doesn't know any words or phrases or unmeanings of anything, but then he goes on this whole fucking jag about the haphazard haphazard melange of these different styles and everything that Picard's doing with this painting. Um, I guess he figured it out at the same time he was mixing all those violinists together. He just put through the art, the rest of the art in too. It's like the visual arts yeah. too. Oh, uh, he mixed Picasso into his violin playing at first, but it didn't. It wasn't great. <laughs> uh, Picard has to worry about protecting his crew and pursuing a just outcome, so he's in his usual shitty position thanks to his idiot crew. <laughs> it's always got to be protecting somebody. I mean, uh, let's see. We had Wesley all the way back in Justice. Yeah, he fucking. Uh... Stepped on the grass or whatever. I mean, they did shout at him. They shouted at him a million times not to go where he was going, to be fair. It's true. Like, he could have stopped. Yeah. He just thought he knew better. Don't worry, guys. I'm okay. Guys, uh, I know better than to stop. I was totally going to get that ball. It's fine. Uh, I'm with Starfleet. We don't stop. We don't. That's right. Can't stop, won't stop. That's the Starfleet motto. Um, Anyway, that might be why he seems strangely aloof at times in this episode. Picard yeah, I mean, doesn't really get after it. There are times when he's just like, Krieger waves, huh? All right, tell me more later. And he just walks out of the room and you're like, is he just over it? It's only season three. He's got a lot more to go. I mean, he's like, if I let Riker go to jail or maybe be killed, Riker says, put his neck in a noose. But we have not heard that that's going to be the punishment <laughs> for this at all. Right. Uh, <laughs> if I let Riker be killed, I could get a better... <laughs> first officer right like young Riker before he got broken did that guy Rice get killed and replaced or was it just like did they just scan him or something because he's still available boy we left that planet in a hurry I hope he wasn't down there (laughs) I never really found out what happened to that ship (laughs) we assumed it was killed by the Echo Papa whatever but like maybe it wasn't what did I put in that report I hope no one asks me about what happened to that ship I don't remember what I put in the report can you pull up the report I did after the whole thing on that planet and then fucking uh, yeoman can, captain but it'll be logged that you looked at it <laughs> the, the, the fucking yeoman goes it's gonna look weirder fucking yeoman goes we didn't file a report he's like <laughs> that's right. oh well that's not gonna help then you haven't called me to the bridge in 15 weeks honestly I wasn't gonna say anything because I kind of like having my days to myself I just uh, I go down to visit the Corv and Gilgos. And, oh, I'm like, learning Korean down there. <laughs> I'm fucking jamming out these lessons. It's going well. <laughs> um, he straight tells Riker to save it when Riker asks to see him alone. Yeah, he he's does. like no. And I thought it was probably because he doesn't want to see Riker alone, just in general. Yeah, this guy's a good excuse. Finally, I don't think that would be appropriate. And then he like fucking does a fist bump when he gets into his ready room by himself uh picard is lawyer picard in this last scene again he basically tells riker i have nothing to say to you riker you know why (laughs) you know why (laughs) and then riker i guess his confidence is shattered again because he just takes low self-esteem his way out of there (laughs) just takes it like o'brien uh anyway lawyer picard comes back strolling around as he delivers his closing arguments he was very excited to get back up there in this last scene. Mm-hmm. Riker imagines this lady as like a high society heel from Murder, she wrote. Oh, yeah. She is a very um, 
white. I'll just say that. The way she acts. Uh, and that, he also, he also imagines he did some fucking ninja shit and avoided this dude's punch so bad the guy fell over and hurt himself. All three versions of that fight are amazing. They're really, really good. Riker, like, goes, oh, and, like, gets out of the way and the guy falls down, like, ah! <laughs> yes, <laughs> he fucking turned his own energy against him. It was real good. It was real Riker, Eastern. I want to see Riker telling the computer this, because it's all based on testimony. And then yeah. he, like, tried to swing at me, and I was like, fuck no, buddy. And then I fucking got out of the way, and he's like, oh, no! And he fell down, and he was, like, or, holding his knee, and he was crying. It was amazing. Or Manuel telling the computer, he punched my husband in the gut twice. Also, he was very fat. <laughs> make him fatter in this scene. Jordy, make him fatter. Still not fat enough. Uh, fatter. A little more fat. Can you parse that? <clears throat> Let's see. Riker shows absolutely no decorum in this trial. In real life, he'd definitely be held in contempt. Yep. He just stands up and walks around all the characters and starts shouting at everybody. And then, um, I know this is not an official trial. And then he, uh, he, everything that everyone says, he reacts to a lot. Just, like, well, makes an angry face and looks all around the room and looks at Troy and looks at... It's just like, bro, can you try to calm down and be professional for, like, one second? The answer's no. Did, well, did you watch him during his version of events? He was constantly looking over to Picard and nodding. <laughs> Going, That's how it happened. I swear to fucking mm-hmm. God. I swear mm-hmm. to fucking God, Dad, I wouldn't lie to you. Dad, mm-hmm. Dad, don't take the car away. I swear to God, this is how it happened. <laughs> she was all over me. You know what it's like. You know the ladies love me. Dad! Don't take the car away. Um, you remember when we brought those Irish people on board, that and that lady, lady was like, "I'm the best woman you've ever seen." <laughs> That's what she said. What? I swear to God. I swear to I God. I mean, I was there, Riker. <laughs> I heard what she said. I heard what you said. No, and I was like, "Yeah, I know about women." I, what are you talking about? Remember, I, I was there, Riker, and you got lucky. <laughs> you were lucky that she didn't object to what you said. <laughs> Uh, Troy thinks Riker definitely raped this lady and that he might have murdered this guy. That's what I could tell. <laughs> to be fair, she says that they both believed their version. The look on her face says that you raped this lady. What What she definitely believes is that he is capable of forcing himself <laughs> on a lady. Yes. Uh, she's the a question that he. The question that he actually asks her. Yeah. Come on, you know me. No, I mean, he asks. He says, "You know, you know, she's lying." Yeah. You know, she's lying. I mean, I just went I mean, in her brain a little bit. Picard told me it was okay. And, uh, nah, though. Uh, she's a perfect lie detector, which is why she can only be in every other episode. Um, pretty peak Wesley in this. Refuses to believe Riker could possibly have done a bad thing. Uses that mega brain to figure it all out. Yep. We've seen he it a few season, times. Be- he's season two Wesley again. Yeah, we've seen it a few times before. We'll see it again a few more times. Probably in menage a trois. I'm sorry, I meant season one, Wesley. Season two, Wesley, is, well, they say you're from... Let's say you're from Novacron. Novacron. And, uh, and, uh, I want to know what he was going to say. best scene. <laughs> it's so good, it makes me wonder what he was going to say next. What else does he <laughs> yes, know about what her? What they say about her, and he says, well, they say you're from Novacron, and, uh, and then it just cuts away, <laughs> and we're both like, and what? <laughs> he was building to something so good. And they say you're That's from not the end of that thought. Say you're from Novacron, and uh, that Novacron women got six tits. So and let's you wear see them. Real loose fitting. Yeah, clothes, there's so. a. I want to know what's under that fucking robe. Basically, what I want to know is 
are there six of them? Are you down to clown is what I want to know. Is that an expression that made it to the 24th century, you think? I hope so. Down to clown. <laughs> they say you're from Novacron and... Uh... It would be great if Data just rattled it off in one of his thesaurus ah, passages. Like, down it, to clown. in the thesaurus, but... <laughs> yes. Horny. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Jordy is like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it, but Riker's <laughs> been doing it nasty with the doctor's wife in this first scene. <laughs> he is desperate not to have to say it to Picard, who asks him, what? What are you talking about? Why are you acting so weird? What's going on? What happened down there? What did Riker do down there? Um, I guess, I guess, I guess it's as much as a, I guess it's as much as a five. Weird. We're, uh, this is one where we're flipped because I only have it as a three. Um, Lawyer Picard is back. Everyone likes that. Yep. It is troubling how believable the allegations against Riker are. Yeah, I mean, everyone is like, yeah, I mean, maybe. Like, we're supposed to like this guy going forward. Yeah. But the reality is there's lots of reasons to think that he it was definitely was not professional. Yes. With Apgar's wife. And frankly, we've seen him do some cool murders. Yeah. Like, uh... Like to that lady who... Okay. Not a few weeks ago, the, the lady that he was sexing who was a servant. Yeah, like, maybe he didn't kill Apgar this time. But we saw him ice those clones. Mm-hmm. And we saw him uh, murder Utah of the Clan Trelesta. Thank you. Utah. I, can, I can't remember the names of episodes I've seen 50 times, but on my deathbed I will remember <laughs> Utah of the Clan Trelesta. Utah. He says it weird. I thought Jordy not wanting to engage was neat. But I also really wanted to know what he saw. Yeah. He he must have he gave testimony. We don't see his testimony. We don't know. Like, how did he know that things had gone bad? Like I said, it seems the whole time. Like I said in the even it, the episode description, he did not want to be involved. In all versions of the story, he also stayed the night on that space station. Mm-hmm. Where? What did he see? Yeah. Did he see the second encounter that Apgar didn't know about and neither Riker nor Manuel included in their testimony where she came back? Was his head peeking around the door during that fist fight? Exactly. Was his head peeking over going, oh, no! <laughs> did he subconsciously program Fat Riker <laughs> in Manuel's version because he's mad at Riker because Manuel's version was accurate? Yeah, he's tired of having to be on these dumb missions with Riker where he fucks like everything he, up. Her version was accurate, and that's why when he he made Riker fat in that one, and he doesn't know that he did it. Yeah, it's totally just an emotional thing with him. Yes. Um, and then Data and Wesley are back to solving the technical problems. Yeah, Jordy's in on Data, that too again because he wants to avoid the fucking trial. Data has been, uh, as Q said last week, the professor who uh, the android who teaches the the course in humanities mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit this season. Roga Danar and others. Uh, he's back to just solving technical problems this week. Good. Keep him out. Uh, it's a three for me. Ben's only quick hitters is are that he likes uh, this dude's flock of seagulls haircut. That would be Craig. He did Craig. have. <laughs> he had some good hair. Uh, Apgar's hair was pretty flock of seagulls too. Like, <laughs> they were know, both kind of rocking it. it. The people on that planet actually had their hair fucking on f- fucking point. They did. It wasn't just one gray stripe. No, fuck those guys, terrorist bastards. Okay, I have theory corner for you, Matthew. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Is Picard 
in this advanced painting class because he's the captain. Oh, 100%. I mean, Data basically tells him he's a fucking amateur piece of shit. Okay, but Data also thinks all of the four other people in this class are just fucking crushing it. Yeah, they're doing a good job. Oh, by the way, <laughs> the one lady that he that he talks about just looks up at him and goes, yeah, I am good. <laughs> I'm that good. You're right. She looks up and just gives him a little smile like, yeah, you got what I was going for. Okay, also... <clears throat> Who's teaching this class? God, didn't it feel like Picard? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> also, why did they do this in a room with a real naked woman? Instead of all the ladies. Not on the holodeck. Well, that lady has a, wants to explore her own creativity, and that's being naked in front of a room full of people. I mean, I guess so. It just seems like you wouldn't need a real nude model. In the future, they don't anymore. care about stuff like that. It's just the arts. It's fine. Okay. That's fine. If that's if that's her contribution to the arts, and she just wants to be their muse or whatever. Either that, or normally she's a waitress in 10 Ford, and Guinan made her be on this event. Oh, no. I yeah. don't like that. Normally she's wearing those checkered fucking PJs they make them wear. There's some shit off, off screen where uh, Guinan has noticed that this woman's ashamed of her body in some way. Oh, uh, she's helping her. The guy, this is Guinan's weird life lesson where she's forcing one of her employees to be naked in front that's of the captain. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. Well, that is nice then, because that's, that's Guinan helping somebody. Uh, I thought the uh, skulking around on the bridge work by Riker was super great. <laughs> um, obviously, I've talked about Riker's fat stunt double, but all that happens in that scene is Riker punches the guy twice in the gut. Yep. Why is there even a stunt double? Yes, exactly correct. Frakes couldn't throw two low punches to the gut that don't connect? Yep. He doesn't d- do a tumble or fall or anything. Yep, I have the same thing. Why did Frakes need a stunt double for the punching scenes? Nothing even happens. Yeah. yeah. I gave best actor to Riker pacing the bridge and worst actor to hologram Riker threatening Apgar. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, you're a dead man, Apgar. Riker face. A dead man. <laughs> I liked that all of the acting in those was bad, and I really got the feeling like I was seeing a play. Yes. Yes. And I actually kind of wished that... So they don't I'm not the fool you take me for! What is not at all clear technically is how... When they go from one room to another, what's happening in the holodeck? We see one where everything flashes into the new room. Yeah. But the rest of the times, we don't see any transition, and I wished that the set had gone dark and yeah. come up bright in the new room. That's right. Like, it really was a play, because why not? You like hear a couple of people stomping around in the back or something. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah, and when they show you the dissolve, you get the sound effect, too. So why didn't I hear that when they uh, when they change scenes the other Exactly. Times? I wanted to hear the fucking dissolve sound effect. But if not, how did the table and chairs, which apparently were real, they dragged them in from somewhere because when the space oh, station right. exploded, none of that shit went away. Yeah. Either uh, that or it's smart enough to be like, except for these chairs. Yeah, but but then like, uh, if they if they really were, if those hologram characters were just walking through a door into another room, how how did the ta- how did they see them from the table? Yeah. Oh, it's a good question. Yeah. We'll never know. Well, no. You could say it's not important. You could argue it is not at all important. I won't make that argument. It's as, okay. it's as important as anything else that happened in this episode. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Quick hitters. 
Uh, yeah. What the fuck was this intro music during this painting scene? Oh, it was weirdly sexy, right? I was like, is it going to be like some kind of tragic romantic thriller? Like, what are we getting into? I mean, I know what we're getting into, and I know it's not that, so what's happening? It was really weird. Um, again, that lady looked so satisfied when Data did his critique of her painting. <laughs> um, again, yo, this, this dude's name is Craig? Yeah. Wow. Uh, Picard just goes onto the bridge and yells instructions to everybody on the bridge about what they're going to do about Riker's rape and murder trial or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. is this everyone's business? Is it even it is legal to do that? Oh, it's a very good question. I know it's not technically a like a real criminal trial, but there have to be some rules about privacy in this matter. I mean, what if you're just one of those dudes? That, what if you're always the dude at the science station in the back? <laughs> and you're trying to work, and you hate the office drama, and you got, like, one earbud in, but you had to take one out earlier because Worf was on you about some fucking report that for some reason you owe to him, even though you're the science guy. What if this were Lower Decks, and fucking Cito Jaxa and Torek were down in 10 forward? That poker about... game later on is gonna be wild. <laughs> I don't know, man. Do you think... So, I guess Riker didn't kill him, but, like... Did he rape her, though? Did he rape that lady? Because I heard about all I mean, that on the bridge. I mean, I guess even in her version, he didn't actually rape her, but he was like, you know. He was gonna. He was a gonna. I mean, he puts his hand around her neck. It's really weird. And then Cedo Jack says, like, I believe it. <laughs> That's right. That fucker game mm. would have been full of gossip. Yeah. Uh, yo, this lady's bold. Just trying to get that fucking hairy pork chop while her husband is like 15 feet down the hall. Like, literally, the, he walks in five seconds in, because, like, I guess you can just hear everything on that station. But still, she's like, this is my sanctuary where I do all of my sex stuff by myself. And then, like, she I starts to I'd kiss him. I find the two of you yeah, together. He's instantly... Do you think I hadn't seen how you looked at each other? And also, I could hear this. I'm not the fool you take me for, and, and you must. You you also, must take me you for you didn't even close the door this time. <laughs> it's fucking wild how bold she is. Or Riker, depending on who you believe. It's wild either way. Mm. The way Riker says, Manoir. Same way he says, A la Utah. <laughs> That's his seduction voice. What's wrong with Franks? Why can't he say words? And again, why did he need that stunt double? It was hilarious. That was it for me. Well. We've only got yeah. one to go. Good. Uh, last week's winner was Deep Space Nine. And this week we watched Profit Motive. The Grand Nagus comes to DS9 and moves into Quark's quarters, forcing Quark into ROMs. They both hate this arrangement, and they go to the Nagus to ask for Quark's quarters back. When they, This is really what this episode's about. When they finally get a chance to talk to him, he shows them the reason he's here and his great work. Uh, his new revised rules of acquisition. But they all nice and shit, not about sex favors or exploitation at all. So something's clearly up with the guy. He's also hella cheerful and generous and hates money and possessions. It's finally revealed that the Nagus is on DS9 to open up the central headquarters of the Ferengi Benevolent Association? 
That is correct. Not benevolence. I know what you would want it to be. <laughs> what would I want it to be? But it is benevolent. Oh, yes. Um, Quark finally realizes that Nagus needs uh, some help because he ain't himself and um, takes him to see Bashir. Bashir gives him a clean bill of health and the Nagus reveals he's scheduled to give a wonderful gift to the Bajoran people tomorrow at the shrine. Mayherdu, Zex valet? Yeah, he's Zex Mr. Hom. Yeah. I think uh, he's his bodyguard. It's not... It's, I don't know what he does for him, but he's always around. Maybe he's his bodyguard. Uh, he shows them the gift. It's a Bajoran orb. That's what Zek plans on giving back uh, tomorrow. Uh, Quark looks into the orb and um, uh, sort of pokes his head around in there and realizes they must have changed Zek, that the wormhole aliens must have changed him. Zek must have attempted to use the orb to see the future in order to gain financial opportunity, and uh, the wormhole aliens must not have been into that. So, Quark takes the orb and Zek into the wormhole and talks to the prophets, who tell Quark they turn Zek into kind of like a the way the Ferengi used to be, uh, an older, chiller form of existence before they were prophet-crazed. Yeah, when they mostly wore flip-flops. Yeah, right, when they just like, you know, they didn't sweat it that much. Uh, the wormhole oh, aliens... man, if Zek had been wearing a drug rug... <laughs> <laughs> you would have been into that I, I mean it would have been a better show it would have been very challenging well given how silly the... that idea is but i still would have really enjoyed it uh just fucking puka and a drug rug and oh no they would have they would have fucked it up they would have put him in those dad jeans and tucked in hawaiian shirt that tom paris was wearing they would have right messed it yeah up. they would have fucked it up yeah uh the wormhole aliens convinced by quark uh turns back to the way he was I don't know if I said, I probably said this during that episode, but that's uh, Joey Gladstone is the name of that style, right? Of course you did, yes. Okay, just making (laughs) sure. There is no way we could not have talked about that. (laughs) Fuck was that? Uh, Someone has done something to a Mustang, but I don't think they did it right. (laughs) I don't think they did. That sounded like, Jesus, I was just like crazy sound effects. they don't know how to shift or God knows what. (laughs) Uh, meanwhile, B-plot, Bashir has been nominated for the Starfleet Medical Council's prestigious Carrington Award, and it's got him all in his feelings. He's upset yeah. that he's been nominated for a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, uh how'd that come to pass? Dax did it. <laughs> yeah. Dax has a fucking contact, and I guess that's all it takes. And Dax did it for him as a favor, I guess. <laughs> yep. Uh, so it's like a Lifetime Achievement Award of sorts, and like, where does he go from here? He's only... 30 or whatever. I don't know how old he's supposed to be. Um, Everyone on the station tries to use reverse psychology on Bashir to get him excited for the award. Eventually it works and he starts to get all excited about the possibility of winning, but the award goes to someone else, so, you know. That happened. Yeah. Hey, what was this episode about? (laughs) In the end, I did give it a no-take. Ouch, that's tough. Yeah. Um, there are themes, okay. maybe a hint of a theme, Okay. about dealing with higher authorities. Hmm. Like Quark and Rom think Zach must have a great plan with these dumb rules of acquisition, and if they just follow along, they're going to be the first ones on board. Zach and then Quark go to seek something from the prophets. I don't think it ever rises to the level of a message. And the moral of the B-plot must be something like, you can't help but get your hopes up. But it, the B-plot is so obviously filler. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a real I, news radio n- situation. 
there's just absolutely no way to take that as the message of the episode. Yeah. Uh, I think I am done. So in previous weeks, if I couldn't find a take for an episode, I would just sleep on it. Mm. And then usually in the morning, I'd be able to cobble some shit together. Sure. I'm done with that. <laughs> You're like, fuck that, man. Yeah. <laughs> I got like, shit if, to do. If I have to spend hours uh, like coming back and trying to think of it, an episode in a different way. And like for this episode, I still read four reviews. Uh, wow. I listened to the greatest generation about it. Oh, wow. And I did that. I just, that's enough. I'm not, I'm not wasting any more time. So I no taked it. Okay. Um, Ben had it as uh, self-interest is a primal driver of personality. Um, uh, I'm trying to see how he justifies that. I guess that everyone's acting in their own best interest, even Bashir eventually succumbs to the idea that he deserves to win an award that he acknowledges should probably go to someone else. And he gives it a three. Um, I was kind of in the same ballpark. I said something linking the two plots would probably be something about ambition and self-interest being key aspects or key uh, uh, drivers of growth and achievement. Uh. I mean, it would be an interesting take for Star Trek, which usually likes to frame the future as being about striving for like an evolution of humankind and that ambition and greed are bad. But it does also describe much of the behavior of the characters we see in this world. Like, Riker has a ton of ambition, right? That's so much so uh, that... Well, we are told that he has a ton of ambition. We are never shown it. So much so that that's all anybody ever says about him. <laughs> yes, despite the fact that it is only it only ever comes up when he's going to not act ambitiously. Or just when someone's trying to school him on the holodeck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're the guy who wants to be the starship captain. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yep. Good luck, buddy. I hear that stuff. I'm going to be fucking this broad. Uh, you can't have relationships. Uh, I can. I'm just a space my doctor. Thick new girlfriend. <laughs> I'm just a space doctor. I can have uh. as many relationships as I want. Um. Anyway, I was able to link the two and I gave it a five. Okay. Um. <clears throat> I wonder if this is going to be the new high. <laughs> We're already five points apart. It's a good, it's a bad start. Ten is the high, so just a heads up on that. And I know that when you know take something, you do follow yeah. up with the zero uh-huh. on the execution. Um, this is one of those filler comedy episodes that are mm-hmm. really a slog for fans to go through and do a rewatch on. Like they're painful in the moment, but at least they're new, right? And you haven't seen it before, and you're like, okay, I guess that wasn't anything. But like, I've seen all these. And when it's time to do a zany adventure with Zek, it's really hard to focus up and find some great new value from the episode. Yeah. And on the B-plot, News Radio did it better when they won all those abscess. Right? Oh, that is true. And Dave gets all depressed, because where do you go from here? Because he's only 29 and he won all the abscess there are to win or whatever. Uh, News Radio usually does it better. It's a better written show. Yeah. Um... I mean, uh, pro- problematic treatment of uh, Candy Alexander aside. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, the chronically underused uh, Catherine Duke, which was just a stand-in for Candy Alexander. Yeah. Um, 
I gave it a three. Uh, okay, so first of all, you know it's a zero. Yeah. But I do want to talk about that because this is the zero I felt worst about giving. Hmm. Uh, when we started this project, I was viewing execution as execution of the premise. Okay. And that's where the automatic zero rule came from. Right. And at this point, I just don't want to go back and relitigate all the ones I know taked. Yeah, please don't do that. Right? <laughs> like, can you imagine? I don't want to have to film. Going, going I don't film. I don't have to record, him. like, an extra hour of you going back. <laughs> On the other hand, I don't love the automatic zero. Okay. Now, having said that, let's talk about the execution of this episode. Okay. Wouldn't the actual power move for Quark in this situation be to turn Zek in to the Commerce Authority or whatever? If he had real like, ambition. That's got to be the profitable play. Zek must have some kind of rival who would pay. Brunt. We haven't met him yet. Information. But it we would, haven't met him yet. It would be Brunt FCA? But in this one, Quark has to put right what once went wrong. Oh, uh, it's a Janeway. Yeah. But why is he so bad at it? <laughs> this is my question. So in, at the end of the last season and at the beginning of this one, mm. he made good impassioned defenses of the Ferengi. To Cisco and to the Klingons. Yeah. But all he can do with the prophets is a warmed over greed is good speech. Yeah. Like, and then his winning argument is, you don't want us coming around all the time? We suck? That's Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Like, this is a an opportunity for Quark to defend the Ferengi to these weird aliens. Yeah. And... He he trips and breaks his dick. Yeah, they ain't they ain't happy with anything about the Frankie at this point. Yeah. So even if uh this episode had had a take, I don't think I'd be giving it a lot of points for execution. I'm just sick of no the no take zero, but that's what it's getting this week. Okay. Uh so now we're eight points apart on this. <laughs> ben gave it a three. Gross intro with Umox. Yeah, that was not wonderful. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Quirk is doing uh, sexual business again. Yeah, we open on his O face. It's really great. Um, wh- what the fuck? Why can yeah, thanks thanks Renee Aubergenois who directed this episode for that. Oh, that's why he does a little league appearance in this one. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what the fuck? Why can the leader of a major empire, granted they're a joke at this point, travel unnoticed by everyone? Negus Zek seems to have a crazy change of heart, and no one believes it or is taking any of it except rom he thinks it's cool they kidnapped the nagus what's this crazy ass prophet stuff okay he didn't have a lot of coherent thoughts on this one um world building oh is it me yeah it's you uh sex orb is purchased from cardassia Ah, so must have been expensive uh, yeah must have been expensive and also that's the best the Cardassians could do with this fucking orb is sell it for a little bit of money. Well, I mean, if you listen to that guy who uh, was interrogating Picard, they they're pretty poor these days. I guess they are pretty busted <laughs> up. All those wars have really sometimes done in they, their sometimes they get to eat a live egg. Yeah, it's not great. Sometimes a bully steals it. You never know. Uh, the Carrington Award is nothing, but it, we learn about it. Yeah. Um. There's a kind of a message in this one that the prophets are not safe. Like, 
don't go and hang out with them. They might change your whole personality because they like it better. Yep. Like, maybe these are powers that shouldn't necessarily be messed with. Yeah, for sure. Which I guess is helpful to explain why Cisco never talks to them about anything. He's not Cisco's not there every week going, okay, we just met these dudes. <laughs> They're called the Dominion, and they are going to kill us. Can you, I mean, can you tell us some, some stuff about them? Maybe we can... Just anything? Can you give us just anything on these guys? It's true. Like, I don't even know if they're weak to lightning or ice. I, honestly, and I don't want to get into the battle and try it and use the wrong one, and then it's over. Yeah. Because then they gain 150 hit points. So on the strength of uh, sort of reinforcing that the wormhole aliens are very, very alien, hmm. and that they're not they're not just a helpful power, I gave it as many as three world building points, because otherwise it did very little. Mm-hmm. Um, ben actually did one better. He gave it a four. Uh, self-sealing stem bolt and reverse ratcheting routing planners. Planers? I don't know. It was planners, but I think it probably was supposed to be planers. <laughs> I think that makes more sense. Uh, Carrington Award. Uh, pretty normal for a person to reach 106. Millipede juice. Frankie weren't always profit motivated in this way. Uh... They didn't, well, I don't know, some stuff about the wormhole aliens. Um, I had it as a three, like you. Carrington Award, biomolecular replication is what his work was nominated for. Bashir's the youngest ever nominee. I also had Millipede Juice hold the shells. Yep. Um, yeah, we get it. The Ferengi like bugs. Opening an orb in the wormhole is a different experience than opening one on DS9, I guess. Or maybe just this orb? I don't know. Uh, the wormhole aliens didn't like the idea of Prophet or Ferengis in general. It's a three for me. Characterization. Uh, Quark is still trading sex favors for goods and money. Quark and Rom never liked living together when they were growing up, and they still don't. Quark asserts that greed is the most noble of emotions. Rom, it would be helpful if he would just say the Grand Nagus is here in this first scene so we can avoid drawing this fucking thing out. There's I mean, a lot true. of... Brother, you, we come quick. It is true, but Quark does the other side of this bullshit farce where someone busts in and says there's an emergency and everyone's got to get out and he's just like, leave, get, go away, I'm in the middle of something. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, just hear him out. And then you can go back to getting your weird hand job. Uh, Rom is also a klepto and a problem drinker. I guess he's been downing Aldebaran whiskey in his quarters. Oh, yeah. That bottle was empty. Theory Corner. Does this Frankie Benevolent Association, or whatever it's called, end up affecting Rom in some way that makes him nicer and less Ferengi, or is that journey already going where it's going? Because he's really into the idea, and he loves all the stuff that Nanegas is saying. And we know that later on he is a real softy. Yeah, the idea has already been planted that Rom is not... The murderer he was in season one? He's not the killer that he was in season one. <laughs> the cold-blooded like, killer. They can't, they can't get there all the way, right? Because the very last thing in this episode is it reveals is revealed that Rom embezzled a whole bunch of mm -hmm. money from the Benevolent Association. Yep. Uh, and obviously he has stolen everything in his quarters from Quark's bar. Yes. But uh, I think that the idea had already been planted that he's not 
all in on traditional Ferengi values, but I, I assume that this stuff with the Negus was maybe the first time that someone showed him a concrete, different way to yeah. go about things. I just wonder how and fast maybe, we'll get there. Maybe as with uh, Nog suddenly wanting to be in Starfleet, uh, Rom might buy in on this one for sort of bad reasons. Like, what he really wants is to not live in the Ferengi system. Yeah. And this is the first other thing that was shown to him. Yeah, and uh, maybe at the very least it'll give something for the actor to inform his performance with moving forward. That'd yep. be nice. Um, Bashir's all bummed out about reaching the apex of his career at age 30, but then also not really having a chance to win this award, and why is everybody bothering him about it? Uh, Nog is visiting Moogie. They told us where he was. <laughs> yes, they haven't yet introduced the name Moogie, but that is where <laughs> Nog is this week. Odo is a gossip and a spy, and he's, um, I think he's sick or something in this episode, because his voice sounded crazy. I guess no one was there to direct him. That's true. Um, I just read all that and I listened to it, and it's not a, it's, I had it as a five, but it's not. It's, uh, let's call that a four. We just escaped a tie for the all-time greatest difference, because <laughs> I have this as a three. Oh, okay. <laughs> um... More of Quark's sexual bullshit. God, yeah. And then I really think he shows odd loyalty to Zek in this episode. Um, like, maybe why is Quark so loyal to Zek? He must feel, if we're going to do more work than the writers, that helping Zek will give him more profit when Zek's back to normal than turning Zek in would to whoever he'd turn him into. Mm. Maybe he's done that but calculation. Zek, Zek is constantly showing up and being a pain in his ass. Yep. <laughs> But it's like, if the president of the United States, I don't know if that's the right analogy, because we still don't really know what Zach does, but kept showing up at your house, and at least you'd be like, well, I guess I'm close with the president. <laughs> maybe. Like, it's not fun. I hate it. It stresses me out. I hate going on these adventures, but like, you know, maybe it'll fucking play out in a way that helps me. I don't know. I mean, uh, like, who is the equivalent of Zach? It's probably George W. Bush, right? <laughs> is probably he? W. <laughs> You're going just by era? Because it would be Clinton, right? <laughs> era and but also like zach's goofy uh -huh. so I yeah, mean, he may not have ford. it all together i don't know <laughs> you're ford as portrayed in the simpsons or <laughs> yeah, that's right the simpsons particular brand of gerald ford <clears throat> um you mean betty <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh yeah i i guess i guess you could say that like well I mean, he keeps coming to me for some yeah, reason. Yeah, like, for some reason, I'm on this guy's mind, so, like, that can't be all bad, but it's been bad so far. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, what are we doing, quick hitters? We were doing characterization, right? Oh, shit, yeah, I still am, too. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, a decent Rom. I feel like they're starting to figure out Rom as a character. If uh, For nothing else, then I think they like when that guy comes on and does his idiot Rom voice. That may be it. They may be like, well, let's just keep putting this guy on because we think it's entertaining. I mean, I sure like it. Uh, I don't know, brother. It's, he is the most cartoon character of any Star Trek yeah, probably. Uh, series. Um, I thought Bashir was okay in the B-plot. I like that he's honest and can admit that he'd gotten his hopes up a little at the end. I would be so pissed at Dax, though. Yeah, like, oh my god. That, you, oh, I would hate someone interfering in my shit like that. Oh, 
Tony, so much. For, to, for her to be like, yeah, I applied out for this very, very, very prestigious award that everyone has opinions about for some reason. You on your behalf. At the, at the end of Thanks for the Memories, when Rimmer says, you gave me, I mean, it's halfway through, you gave me three years of your memory, or as nine gift? months of your memory, <laughs> as a gift? I love the pause. You gave me the best, however many years of your memory, pause. As a as gift? A gift? <laughs> yes. That's what he should have said to Dax for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I would be, I would be livid. Yeah. I'd, I'd transfer. There's <laughs> got to so be another frontier. There's got to be another frontier station. No, he'd go. He'd just go to Aquiel Station. Just hang out there. Just yeah, live out it's, your days. The Klingons harass you every once in a while. It's not that bad though. He's he's been through worse. He's seen all the fucking spatial anomalies and weird viruses you can ever have. Yeah, so I'm a three. Okay. Um, quick hitters. Yeah. Does the writer who invented self-sealing stem bolts get residuals? Because they're almost a character in Deep Space Nine now. And you know they'll keep popping up in every other series. It does seem like a reference that they use as much as Morn, and he's a character, so... Yeah. Uh, When someone bursts in and tries to tell you something important is happening, why do TV characters always ignore it? So we had the... Yeah, like you said, we had the opposite reaction on this. I was mad at Rom for not saying Grand Nagasek. And you oh, yeah. were mad at Quark for just shooing him away. Exactly. Hey, what's the point of uh, O'Brien's blinking dartboard? Why does uh, it blink? It doesn't even seem to be keeping score. And otherwise, it's a regular dartboard with regular darts. It uh, makes noises. It's made by Tiger. I don't know if <laughs> that... Tiger electronic dartboard? <laughs> I don't know if that helps at all. They just put a lot of lights O'Brien on O'Brien brought his antique dartboard on board. <laughs> That's right. Um... And then I stopped writing quick hitters. I don't blame you. I didn't write very many myself. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any actor candidates or did we already talk about it? So this know. was a tough watch. Uh, I gave best actor to Zek in a bag. Um, yeah, it actually, it was pretty good the way he was like humming and stuff. Yeah, he was humming and being carried around in that little bag. <laughs> that was pretty good. Actually. I forgive you, Quark. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, man, Wallace Shawn's crushing it in this one. Yeah, Wallace Shawn was the best part of this episode for sure. Um yeah. I gave worst actor to needling O'Brien, but here's the thing. In your description, you very vaguely said everyone tries to use reverse psychology on oh, this year. Do you think that O'Brien didn't read it that way? I thought at first that that's what that was going to be. That oh. he was going to try that he was trying to get Bashir to stick up for himself when he was saying all that shit. Mm. But then at the end, I thought he was just trying to win at darts. Because <laughs> he kept every time he'd say something, yeah, Bashir and then would Bashir, Bashir responds by throwing something at, at, about Keiko at him. Yeah, and then he true. misses his dart, and then I was like, okay, so that wasn't that thing? That, that could be, and also it could be that uh, Colomini didn't read it the way I read it. That <laughs> That's could right. Be. So what I literally wrote So it's like, she's trying to win at darts, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. What I literally wrote for Worst Actor was needling O'Brien. I thought he was trying to get Bashir to stick up for himself, but maybe he was. <laughs> In which case, I think still a bad acting performance because his motivations there were not clear to me. Yeah, so it's all—it's only shrouded in more mystery now. Uh, again, thanks for the O-Face intro. Couldn't have been happier about that. Um, it was real trash. My only other note was when he visits the wormhole aliens, and this always happens, everyone talks with kind of a weird alien voice, like they're a little bit ethereal and... Uh, majestic and kind of above the human experience, the way they're talking. Except for Dax. 
<laughs> who talks just like Dax. And it's like they told her, you're not really Dax, but you look like Dax. Because uh, that's how the wormhole aliens come to you. They pretend they're the people you know. And she didn't like hear the rest or didn't understand the rest because she just talks like Dax. And you just go, God, yeah, she's even is... screwing this up. She screws up it, everything. It is kind of she just does her normal performance. You're not wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, it's like I was just watching that going, fuck, she fucked up again. It's so hard to watch now. And that was it for me, too. I didn't take a lot either. I'm always angry when it's a Ferengi-centric episode. Yeah, and uh, Ben does uh, did not issue a quick hitter for this one. I don't even know if we said it. He gave it a three on characterization. Can That's right. He say. says they de-evolved the Negus and Quark is a more persuasive speaker than Zack. I, I guess he avoided getting himself all warped or whatever. Um, well, we I do know it. that the numbers are in. We fucking did it, and it was a bad week, I know. What were the numbers? Yeah, in fifth place with nine points. Mm. Total. <laughs> Nine total points. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is Voyager with Favorite Son. Mm. Yeah. Uh, not the episode that I no-taked. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's true. It lo- you gave the other one that you no-taked more points. It is true. <laughs> um, I, g- I gave that episode five and you gave it four. Four is pretty bad. Very bad. Definitely the weak- weakest link was Execution, which scored a single point. among the two of us in uh fourth place this week with 21 points which is still quite poor Mm -hmm. uh ds9 profit motive and i gave that 15 (laughs) you gave it 15 and i gave it six think about it the uh the nine point difference there almost uh almost as big as uh whichever episode i gave 15 and you gave 25 although that was a better episode clearly uh, we have a tie for second place this week. Yeah. Uh, both TOS, Spectre of the Gun, and TNG, A Matter of Perspective, got a, again, quite poor 28 points. Yeah, Spectre of the Gun was the one that we read the opposite direction. Yeah, so I, was, the way I, had, I was six higher than you on that one. Yeah, the way I thought Profit Motive was better than you did by the rubric. It was the way right. you thought Spectre of the Gun was better than I did by the rubric. Correct. I want to point that out because I don't think there were any that were enjoyable this week, except for maybe a matter of perspective. Uh, and in only moments yes. of a matter of perspective. Uh, which, by the way, we were dead agreed on. We both gave it 14 points. Including, um, we only gave it a two combined in world building. So, yeah. there you go. Bottle episode. Uh, but the winner this week with 32 points, which is pretty quite poor for a winner, but bad. it is the, a dead average episode. Yeah. I mean, the mean is 30.6, but the mode is 32. So, like... Yeah. Yeah, this is a... Uh, Run-of-the-mill. Exactly average episode. But a rare uh, win for a non-TOS uh, TNG DS9 show. Uh, that's right. It's Enterprise with Similitude. Yeah. So, I gave it 17. You gave it 15. Uh, we weren't too far apart on that one. And that is Enterprise's fifth win now. Wow. So, after 61 episodes... Uh, the next generation has twenty-one wins. Yep. Original series has seventeen. Yeah. DS Nine right behind it at sixteen. Enterprise with five, Voyager with two. Yeah, this is one of those rare weeks where DS Nine gave up points to TOS two. Yes. Because again, uh, fucking Ferengis and wormhole aliens, great. Not enough to give up the total. No. They still have a eighteen-point lead, but 
they they gave some up this week for sure. Yeah. Next week, we are watching Day of the Dove. I don't remember, but I thought I saw a Klingon lady. Uh, Day of the Dove, you do remember that it's Abraham Lincoln. Oh, my God, that's that one? What lady did I see on the thumbnail? Uh, Oh, it's a Klingon. Well, there's a Klingon, I don't know. Anyway, I guess there's a Klingon lady. <laughs> the Klingons, the Klingons are on the bad guy side. Ah, that makes sense. Okay, with uh, Gen- Genghis Khan and who knows who else. Sure, sure, sure. That makes sense. Okay, yeah, I got it. We're watching Yesterday's Enterprise. Ooh, that's gonna be fun. I'm into that. An episode maybe about either about sacrifice or about predetermination. I don't know. Ooh, we'll see. We'll find out. But what I do know is they put a lot into that one. Oh yeah, it is a lovingly All the money created. They saved show. On a matter of perspective, yes. the bubble episode they spent on yesterday's Enterprise, which is must be the expensive episode of the year. Yeah, I meant to say it earlier when we were talking about how it was a bottle episode that I know where the money was going. Yeah, it went to to this one, and some of it must have gone to Best of Both Worlds Part One. Exactly, sort which of the is way... still a number of episodes away, but it's at the end of this season. Sort of the way I know why we've been on this fucking filler ride in Voyager because I know what stuff's coming up. Oh, I see. <clears throat> Uh, next week in Deep Space Nine, we're watching Visionary. I don't know what that is. I don't remember where the thumbnail was on that. Uh, Voyager, uh, before and after. Well, Again, we know that's very, bad. Very concerning. Suggests something to do with time. Not and, only uh, that, I seen a thumbnail of Kiss. Oh, that ain't Kiss. Uh, well, don't worry, in case you were worrying that there might be a good one, the episode of Enterprise we're watching next week, Carpenter Street, is supposed to be really bad. I wasn't that worried about it, strangely. That possibility had not really presented itself. Okay. (laughs) In case you thought a good one might sneak in there. This looks like a real good week for yesterday's Enterprise. That's true. I would have to do something really stupid like no take or something in order to fail. There's a possibility that it's not about anything. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, Picard trust takes Guinan's word to send a woman back into the past to die. But he gets real pre- shouty. Possibly prevent a future war. He gets real shouty and gives some Jean, some fucking Patrick Stewart performances before he does it, though. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, no, it would have to get no-taked, I think, to be in real danger from this crop. Uh, it depends on what Visionary is. DS9 can win a week. We know that. Yeah, that's true. That's what you should watch if you're playing along. But next week is uh, a male big. So please right. send us some mail to the big. Uh, that's at BrotherDate on the Twitter machine. Send us email if you want. Bro- brothers at BrotherDate.com. You can go to the website, BrotherDate.com. I don't know if you want to. F- feel free. Um, do we have any projects also, or anything? Well, I just want to say one more thing, which is that uh, possibly after we did our last Star Trek episode, uh, our sister podcast, uh, Murder We Pod, came out and they have introduced a, a rubric grading oh, yeah. system yep. that is not uh, too dissimilar from this one. So if you haven't started listening to that yet, Ryan or Ben, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't have, but if you haven't picked it up yet, uh, I think you'll find that it's pretty similar. So although I am uh, really looking forward to going back off the clock here, I, I expect the next Murder We Pod to come out soon and then I'll be on the clock again for that. So. That'll be what, episode four of... Murder we called? Uh, five. five. Oh, I shit. Believe. Okay, I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the fourth episode of the podcast is about to come out. Yes. If that's what you're asking. Yeah. So check that out. 
All right, everybody, we gone, we gone and done it. It was real good. I don't regret it. I know it sounds like I might regret. I don't regret what we did. So thanks for thanks for playing along. Goodbye. My name's TP. <laughs> Harry, I wish I was a good boy like you, but I just like the ones with the tits so much. <laughs> oh man. I mean Please subscribe.